Okay. I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast, and we are live on Rumble and Odyssey. And I am joined by TMP contributors Chris Graves and Lisa Blanger, and our very special guest, Chuck Ocelli from Ocelli.com. And uh, I'm also joined by my good friend, John Henry. John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people this week? Yes, I do. Welcome back to the end of the world. My goodness, we have a lot to talk about today. First and foremost, we've had a breakthrough. Now we know that eggs who have uh, been eaten throughout the entirety of history cause myocarditis, periocarditis, and strokes. Well, thank goodness this last week, the largest producer of eggs in the United States burned to the ground. So that being said, eggs are the new crypto. Get excited, everybody. We have a couple uh, bits of breaking news, really shocking, shocking news. We have now had official studies come out that state that masks did absolutely nothing. Uh, that's correct. They did not prevent infection. They did not prevent the spread of infection. What they did was prevent you from having any type of individuality or identity, just like the fucking Nazi death camps where they shaved everybody's heads and put them in the same exact outfit. Yes, folks, the masks were about one thing and one thing only, and that was compliance. And other breaking news, shocking news, very, very, very shocking news. The Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, let's talk about that for just a moment. The Hunter Biden laptop, that was Russian misinformation, Russian collusion, all things Russian, Russian dressing, Russian vodka, you name it, we got it with the laptop story. And keep in mind, this is a laptop that allegedly had, well, plenty of information about 10% of the big guy, information about Hunter's uh, rela allegedly relationships with companies like BioNTech and the bio labs in uh, Ukraine. Uh, how about Burisma uh, sitting on the energy board of Burisma? Uh, also, allegations of that laptop stating that Hunter's on there, one, only having sex with underage women, but smoking crack while doing it, and maybe even getting a foot job from his biological niece. Remember how all of those things were not true, and it was all misinformation and disinformation, and fact check this and fact check that? Turns out, everybody, this week Hunter finally said, Yeah, okay, I, I mean, yeah, it's mine. Imagine that. That and much, much more on today's show. Back to you, sir. Thank you, John Henry. There comes a time in life when people are forced to make decisions. When this happens, we make the best choice based on the available information given to us. But what if that information is wrong? It's to be expected, then, that everything that comes after will be wrong. When a critical assumption is made, based on loose facts, then you should expect the same result. So for every big lie that is told to us by our government, there lies a future instability where the logical conclusions eventually happen and things fall apart. For the people that bought the lies, part of the fault rests with them. The decisions that they made that affects others should be reflected upon. If justice is to prevail, the originators of the lies must be revealed to understand the whole story. And if we don't understand the whole story, then the lesson from that mistake is never learned, and we are doomed to repeat. This plays out throughout history, it, and it allows the perpetrators of some of the world's biggest crimes to get away with it. And the worst part of it all is that people don't know what they believe in is bogus. 
They give their lives, literally, to a cause that was never going to solve anything. Because a critical assumption was made early on, and unbeknownst to them, they've been chasing an illusion that cost them everything. Take the JFK assassination, for example. You based your entire belief on the Warren Commission's findings, and whatever that led... Then whatever that led uh, you that to that path will also be false in some way. You may reach a conclusion or two along the way that seems to work within the system of reason that you have been given, but you will never know the whole truth based on where you started. Or take COVID-19 as being spread by just droplets and not aerosols. If you are still under the belief that COVID only spreads by drops of spit from your mouth, then you'll probably believe that masks and standing six feet apart works. It's also how people believed that when it wasn't working, that it was because people were stupid and could not follow orders. This meant that there needed to be stronger enforcement, both socially and even physically. It ended with grandmas being tackled and their bones broken women being choked by police officers, and countless arrests over a misunderstanding of the basic functions of the virus and how it spreads that was told to us early on. Once the inconsistencies in logic are revealed, then you can start pointing out other instances where these flaws and our collective response to something came from. And this is something that really threatens the establishment. You can try to occupy a building or two. You can tear down walls and statues. But if you really want a revolution, then you should want to expose every little lie the establishment has ever told. There is nothing more disruptive for the status quo than being found out as liars or even for being wrong. Check out our leadership across the board right now and name for yourself anyone who is willing to admit in front of others that they were wrong. Find any? Lack of humility in leadership these days should tell you something. That these people don't deserve to be your leaders. People that see mistakes and choose not to correct them and allow such consequences do not deserve power over you or anyone. The people that knew that COVID could spread by aerosols early on, but told people to stay in their apartments that shared ventilation are murderers and traitors to humanity. Just like the people that told us JFK was shot by a lone gunman from a book suppository with a gun that couldn't have made those shots in a million years. The aftermath of those decisions to carry on in the wrong direction cost humanity itself a huge price. The effects of our government lying to us about JFK still reverberates today in modern culture from the use of the word conspiracy theorist the establishment uses to smear us with, or in which the way our country fights proxy wars with Russia. It's like the lessons were never learned, and it's because justice was never served. If the people back in the 60s had the information and the means necessary to expose what had really happened to our president, maybe we would have never have fallen for the lies 
the same kinds of people old during COVID. Maybe that's why we were all shadow banned, monitored, and continuously slandered by the establishment's media. Because all it takes is one big lie to be exposed. And then more of us wake up to the game that is being played. And that's where the start of our liberation truly begins. And that's this week's monologue. Now, moving on, folks, um, I'm going to do a quick screen share here. Let me uh, switch back to something here. All right. And I noticed we got another link there. I'll be pulling that up just in a second, folks. All right. But let's, uh, can you guys see this? Let's talk about this real quick, guys. Uh, so for this week's J6 update, I wanted to start off here, and this kind of rolls into uh, the first of the big four, too. But uh, I wanted to bring this up because it is somewhat J6 related. Um, this is about a interview that Matt Gates had done uh, about his asking of pardons from President Trump. Now, it's been a, uh, a pretty common grievance uh, cited by people in the J6 community that, um, well, uh, none of the J6ers were pardoned by President Trump when he was given the opportunity to. Not only did he fail to uh, rescue Julian Assange from almost certain death at this point, um, but uh, also on, on that chopping block, he left um, all of the J6ers uh, too. So now it says here, uh, according to the article that Representative Matt Gates insisted Monday, he never sought a blanket pardon from Donald Trump, even though multiple former Trump administration officials testified under oath that he did. Um, and apparently Gates clashed with MSNBC's Ari Melber, on the beat, whatever kind of fucking show that is, who watches this shit? As the host repeatedly pressed him on the allegation, um, Gates said he had been involved in pardon negotiations for other people, but he never sought one for himself. Now, Melbourne noted that several witnesses close to the Trump White House had testified last year to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. The Gates was among several Republican lawmakers who sought pardons over their involvement in then-President Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 election. Now, in quotes, it says, here's some of the under-oath testimony from Trump insiders, Melber said, bringing up a video. And he says, we've got multiple people, the director of White House presidential personnel, uh, Johnny McKenty, uh, who's a Trump loyalist, he describes, uh, lawyer Eric Hirschman, Cassidy Hutchison, famously, uh, they all testified under oath that you, under oath, sorry, that you specifically requested a pardon. Now it says in the article after showing the footage, Melbourne continues. So the question is, can you really say that all of them are committing perjury, lying on you? A and B. If a pardon was requested, why not just tell us what uh, were you worried about? What was it that you thought you or others might be indicted for? Now, I'm going to switch back to the panel right here, because just to bring up a question to you guys, and here I'll get off the screen share for a second. Um, what may, I mean, this is maybe a Lisa question more or less, but I mean, in a situation like this, um, where let's say a, a coup is taking place <laughs> politically, um, and trumped up charges, no pun intended, can be levied against you for pretty much anything. I don't know. I, I think that maybe I would have played my cards that way and, you know, maybe slid a pardon and uh, request in there myself. 
Because, I mean, the way that we've seen these charges being placed upon the J6ers and other people and the way that charges are sort of made out of thin air or, you know, maybe coming from uh, the CIA's Eric Chiaramella, like in the first Trump uh, impeachment, you know, when they can just charge you with anything, not present any evidence or even have like anything close to a real trial. And even with this January uh, 6th um, panel, the, the, the select committee, you know, with without, you know, any type of uh proper or equal representation on it and stuff like that. I mean, it's just when we're talking about these kangaroo courts that they've set up for, for January 6th, I mean, wouldn't you hedge your bets in the same position, guys? I'll just throw it out there. Okay, so here's the problem. So as you were reading the article, uh, Gates says, he helped out with pardon, quote, negotiations. Yeah, keyword, negotiations, paid to play. There's a problem there. Oh, there you go, yeah. How much is okay. your freedom worth to you then? Yeah. In fact, I need, maybe Chris can help me out and whatever, but I, I distinctly remember. Hmm, sorry, I a little bit of feedback there. Um, I think at the CIA whistleblower uh, who, uh, blew, he blew the whistle on the uh, torture, James. Uh, Kiak, Kiakis. Oh, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, give me a second. Okay, and he and he exposed that uh, he was Rudy. I guess he met with Rudy Giuliani, and they, and uh, supposedly he was told that if he paid two million dollars for the pardon, right? Come on, there's a right. So was it John uh, Kirikow? Oh, jo thank you. There we go. Here, Dawn. I'm going to pull this there up. There it is. I'll do a oh, screen God. share. Get so all the names messed up and everything. But so there's where the real problem lies. It's because it's, now. it's not a. I'm sorry, guys. Now that was uh, that was me on my end. So that sorry, that's really what it was all about. It was. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It was about paid to play. Oh, it was Papalopoulos or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, ex it says here uh, what Lisa was talking about. Ex-CIA operative says prison was punishment for whistleblowing on torture. And says John uh, Kirikow was uh, confirm yes. confirmed the use of waterboarding to ABC News in 2007. And that actually that that fits kind of perfectly with uh, what we we're going to talk about in the first block too. And there there we see some waterboarding, lovely. But um, it's an enhanced so interrogation. Enhanced, yes. Absolutely. Yep. And he <laughs> met with Rudy Giuliani. And so uh, I have to find that article where it shows that Rudy Rudy left the room. And I guess uh, one of you know, Rudy's uh, aides there said, okay, so it'll cost you $2 million for the part. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. $2 million. He left the room, like, yeah, so he's not involved, quote unquote. Wow. Pay to play. You got to love how terminology changes there. Uh, I, I loved interviewing Janice Karpinski, uh, who was the only one-star general ever broken uh, by the United States, as far as I know, because she was placed in charge of the prisons in Iraq. And, uh, you know, prisoners of war have a set of rights. Uh, regular prisoners have a set of rights, but detainees don't. So, you know, you, you need to use a legal term that... Uh, 
nullifies and mollifies your, uh, your, your access to any sort of system that get, grants you any sort of rights. And uh, if you pay to play, though, I mean, that's a different story, isn't it, Lisa? Lisa, you're muted. Sorry. Oh, there you go. Oh, God forbid. Oh, it's all right. Imagine that. Yeah. Ha. Ah. Well, uh, <laughs> so, no, I mean, hello. I mean, come on. Pay to play. Can you imagine, though? I mean, seriously, uh, Rudy just like, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's so scripted. He leaves the room. <laughs> You know, as if, as if he he thinks he can uh, slip slip by that. Give me a break. Um, stories like hey, that. What he doesn't the- know, he, what he doesn't know, will protect him, right? <laughs> timing, timing is impeccable. Oh, this is how anybody in an organization that uh, skirts the law or works in the gray areas or whatever, this is how you do it. Do you ever actually get the order from a mob boss to do something? No, you don't. One of the go-betweens tells it to you so that you can never relate in a court of law that the boss told me this. It's just assumed because it was given to you by a lieutenant, right? But that little bit of separation grants a little bit of plausible deniability to the guy who's at the head of the organization or the guy who's in charge at the moment, right? That's the way it works. I mean, uh, I, I would be surprised if it didn't work this way. Or that was maybe just what I was referring to, but uh, I didn't want to actually come out and say organized <laughs> yeah oh i don't give a damn <laughs> yeah well it, it reminds me I of like- an old saying about like uh, a, a king you know when a king never orders the death of a priest but he just simply mutters like uh you know won't, oh won't somebody help me you know with this priest and then just like that's that's the only nod that people sort of need and they they, they, they sort of take action to like that that's the cue I mean, people nowadays, they call that kind of stuff dog whistles, but I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's more explicit than, than that maybe. But, um, you know, th- there is suggested things like whenever you're in leadership that, you know, if you want something taken care of, I'm sure you just look at somebody and give them a nod and they kind of know. But it, it begs the question too, well, that, that how that people like Matt Giuliani Gates, even. Though, wouldn't it? Mm. Wouldn't that be Matt Gates? He should have a freaking dog collar around his neck, for cripe's sakes. Remember those, that, that meme with the, uh, People in the uh, black leather, whatever, <laughs> and the dog masks. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the, the pup play stuff. Yeah, the pup play stuff and Matt Gates. <laughs> the gimp suit. Lisa brings up the gimp suit. Yeah. There we go. Good the morning. Gimp, the gimper or the gimper or whatever. Yeah, win, win one for the gimper. But um, yeah, that's that that's uh that that's the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about here in the first of the big four, actually. Uh yes, not, well, sort of. Um, when it comes to like sexually explicit things, like that, that catches people's attention, right? Like, uh, you know, I mean, we know several uh, directors that have made their living off of dick jokes. Like when you when you insert sex, you know, into uh, you know, in, into the the parlance, right? Um, it, it changes the game. Like of all the drives that we have, and of all the things that really motivate people, uh, sex is number one with a bullet. So it's just like ev- everybody has their own preferences and things that kind of get them going. And when those things are sort of a little bit more on the naughty side, they're classically exploitable. Like, uh, I mean, Chuck, you could probably tell people about all the sex scandals that JFK had and how that was used against him at the time and even in his legacy, you know, just how well, not, you know, situations. Not at the time, though. Let me correct you there. Not at the time. Okay. 
actually, it was used later by people like Seymour Hersh, who's become, you know, sort of uh, one of these ironized figures in media and so on and so forth. Uh, the Dark Side of Camelot. It was all a, an attempt to undermine his legacy afterwards, which, by the way, I'm not one of these guys who thinks he could walk on water or anything. No, no. But fact is, they, they did that to undermine his legacy. Why? The strategy is pretty simple. It doesn't matter. This guy was a sexual deviant. He was somebody who was unimportant. Uh, one way or another, you minimize his importance, then maybe his murder is not such a big deal. I mean, it's a pretty solid strategy. Right? Seymour Hirsch wrote a book like uh, taking him down too. Uh, several articles. Uh, he's definitely uh, one of the main, you know, uh, people that push the whole, you know, dark side of Camelot kind of thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked to him on the phone. I thought he was one of the good guys because he had some nine eleven truth stuff and. Yeah, well, here we go. Mixed bag. A lot of these guys uh, that have gotten, you know, you take a look at major people who are published by, you know, serious houses that actually pay them well. You dig into them a little bit. You find eh, not everybody's, uh, you know, the world ain't black and white, Chris. You know it. You know what I noticed, though, with that? They never, ever showed Jackie O mad at him about that. Well, yeah, well, but the I, idea was that she was cheating too at one point, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's a whole thing on that too, and, and most of it is fiction. But look, th th it's a different time period. Putting that out in the public, you don't have the angry look. You don't have, you know, uh, uh, the cameras following people around, and uh, you know, like when we saw what's her name, uh, Melania slapping away Trump's hand. You know, and the media wasn't going to focus on that, even if it did happen at the time. Okay. You didn't have live instantaneous. We need something new. Everything is breaking news at that moment. Uh, number one. Number two, there was this sort of idea that you don't bring this stuff right out. I mean, plenty of the press knew about these things at the time, but didn't write about it, didn't broadcast it. Uh, you know, it's, it was just a different era. Uh, Whose idea was the convertible? What president rides in a convertible? I'm just going to say that, I mean, you know. I think that was the last minute switcheroonie too, wasn't it? Well, you know, last minute switch, maybe, maybe, but were there several times that he wrote in an open top? Yes. Were there several times many presidents wrote in an open top? Yes. Uh, you know, you can see uh, pictures of uh, Kennedy's motorcade in, in foreign countries where the, there's no, you know, no cover on it. Uh, it's not just a last minute thing, although there's different discussions about what might have been decided at last minute because of the rain that morning. Uh, but uh, the idea that it's totally unusual for the you know, top to be open in Dallas. It's really not. Uh, it was about, you know, making contact with the public, so to speak. Everybody gets to see Jackie. I mean, that's why she was wearing the bright pink suit and the day before a bright white suit uh, so that she would stick out, you know, from a distance. I mean, all this stuff was done, you know, for political means. And uh, during that trip, it was meant to heal a, a, a schism, if you will, in the Democratic Party in Texas, anyhow, uh, where you had a much more conservative wing uh, like the Connolly wing, uh, John Connolly was the governor at the time in Texas and, uh, a much more, let's call it liberal wing, but it is Texas. So how liberal do you get, mm. uh, of the democratic party? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, they, there was a lot of infighting and Kennedy was there to sort of solve it and heal it, uh, in a way. That's why Johnson was in tow as well. Uh, so there's your public reason for making those trips. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's a whole thing. But the idea that, uh, you know, he's on display or Jackie, Jackie didn't show a lot of things in public. She was meant to be the dutiful wife who was there to show you the tour of the White House and how she's restoring things historically, which is why every network carried Jackie's tour of the White House. Right. 
uh, and all that good stuff. You look back historically in the media environment at the time, it's, it's clear as to why that was occurring. So, uh, but, but I just wanted to point out that nobody was talking about sex scandals at that time. It's after his death when people wanted to uh, belittle his importance, where this comes out as a strategy. Oh, by the way, he was also taking a lot of drugs. Uh, oh, by the way, he was very sick. He probably would have died. Uh, we didn't know that he had Addison's disease, oh, yeah, Addison's uh, disease, et cetera, yeah. you know, which if you don't know, it affects the adrenal glands and is uh, something that shortens your life for sure. Uh, and is something that he did from what we can tell have. Uh, and he was taking different medications and being shot up with steroids, painkillers, all kinds of a magic mix from his doctor feel good. Uh, and also Jackie participated in those shots when she got exhausted, you know, their vitamin shots and whatnot. Uh, nothing illegal about it at the time. Little Jackie was Jackie was cool too. She actually was reading uh, Jack Kerouac on uh, Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, well, look, and they looked at diverse literature. The whole family, you know, what are you going to do? This is a, a semi-aristocratic sort of, you know, let's get away from our shanty Irish roots kind of family, uh, and uh, and also her family is very elitist. If you dig into it as well, uh, more from the <laughs> French side. No, it's it's a real thing. No, I mean oh, with George Morningfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He said yeah, yeah, you brought that up before, guys. Yeah, on other episodes. That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, Shield is kind of a, well, anyway, sorry, I could go on forever. Oh yeah, no, I I know you can, brother. But that's that's awesome, man. That's that's why I love bringing that stuff up around you because I always learn something new. Um, just like because again, coming from the monologue too, I don't want to make those critical mistakes and just make assumptions without finding out what's what really happened in the situations. And uh, also, here's um, I'll do a, I think John Henry's have or Chuck's having some connectivity issues, uh, so we'll get him right back on here. But uh, I'm going to do another quick screen share, though, and uh, pull this over so you guys can see it, too. But I pulled this from the Washington Post. Speaking of uh, political fuckery, they're great for that. Uh, But this goes into um, another act of political fuckery when it comes to that first impeachment that I brought up. Uh, This is uh, Michael Flynn being fired, but it was uh, James Comey saying, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? That was the famous quote. And he used it in talking about how he understood that uh, Trump wanted uh, Flynn fired. Uh, last, last. <laughs> so it says Trump fired Comey last month and, and said, uh, uh, it says uh, Trump fired Comey last month amid FBI probe into Russian interference in the 2016 election. During Thursday's testimony, Senator James Langford asked Comey questions about what he, what he assumed when Trump said to hold back on Flynn and in quotes, it says, you said, Trump said, I hope you will hold back on that. But when a president of the United States in the Oval Office says something like, I hope, or I suggest, or would you, do you take that as a directive? And Comey replied, yes, yes, it rings in my ear as kind of, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? So yeah, what, what do you, uh, oh, we got Chuck back. Awesome. Cool, How well read he was. Oh yeah. 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 Tell yeah. me. Well, um, and then and linking to the press the entire time too. Like yeah. being a press leaker, being being of someone in, in that high up of a position and to be like a, a wouldn't that be considered a security threat to a nation if you were in any other position, if you were leaking information that wasn't beneficial to the establishment? Wouldn't you be a whistleblower that would, you know, maybe wind up in jail? <laughs> just like in, in this case, you know, if you're exposing torture, 
you know, you think. I, yeah, you th- you think you think that somebody you know that high up would pay a price for that, but um, you know the prices are only paid by the people that um, you know are are supposed to pay them according to the establishment when it comes to that level of things, and that's that's why we uh, engage the in lower, the lower people. <laughs> yeah, and and that's why we do these types of shows is to is to point out uh, that when it comes to how the people lower down the totem pole are treated, like this person here, uh, John Kirakel. Uh, is it Kirakow? I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. No, I'm just saying a Kerouac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely one of my favorite books, though. Uh, On the Road by Jack Kerouac. That's, that's what Jackie's uh, reading in that when I was at the museum in uh, Hyannis. They have a big, big huge picture. Jackie O on Air Force One, just sitting, kind of laying back, relaxing, and she's reading on the road. And I'm like, now that's a first lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now we got Melania who, you know, she was trying, I think she was trying to destroy Jackie's garden or something at one point. There was like a story about it. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to have to add that back to uh, my reading list. I haven't read that book in a very long time, and I bet that I would interpret it probably in a lot of different ways ways now in my life i've been to his grave jack Kerouac's. oh yeah awesome man in massachusetts yep we'll have to do a, we'll have to do like a uh a book club thing on that a beatnik oh we've talked beatnik about poetry. that john john henry is probably the best person to put in charge of our book club though he is he is much more uh the reader than i am he he makes sure to work it into his day and stuff like that. actually what are you what are you reading right now john henry uh, right now I am working on finishing Stolen Focus and the new David Goggins book. Nice. Did you, did you make it all the way through our friend Silas's book yet? Or are you taking I that have a chunks? little bit left on that one? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Rise and Fall by Silas Guthier. Definitely check that out too, folks. Problem is I read too many books at once. Uh, <laughs> so my rotation of them where it's interesting where, you know, I'll pick up Rise and Fall and in a four-day period, blast through it, right? And then I'm like, well, shit, I need to get back to this one. So that's my problem is I don't do a very good job of reading one book at a time. That's exactly my, I have the same problem. That's, I, I never do like one book just straight through for some reason. It's... Well, that's how you can end up with some interesting crossovers, right, Graves? Like you have the Mothman fight, uh, Frankenstein and... Uh, things like that, you know. <laughs> well, I haven't really seen like. that one yet. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I was going back to read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen again, in terms of crossovers, and I'm kind of bored. Uh, I might just watch Freddy versus Jason again and get bored again as well. Um, so, now my problem is I really want to start reading The Brave New World. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John, John Henry might be the resident uh, beatnik reader then. I think so. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on Bukowski? Because he's definitely like one of my favorite American poets. Mine too. I, I think he's great, man. I think that's irrefutable. And uh, what's interesting is um, for me, listening to Lex Friedman, he, he cites Bukowski every single time he does a podcast. And yeah. That's one of the things that really attracted me to Bukowski. Oh, yeah. Barfly. I, I love Bukowski. My, my my favorite poem is uh is Death, obviously though, because that, that is just the funniest thing ever. And the uh the way he does that with the whole telephone call and how he used to read that live was just beautiful, man. Uh incredibly underrated in my mind still, even though a lot of people know him as a staple of that sort of time period. I I, I think it's amazing. 
Anybody on uh, Twitter, uh, they have Bukowski quotes. Follow that if you can find it. It's great. I, I love reading them every day. <laughs> cool. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to follow it. Nice, See, I learn something new every day. I, I got to... Uh... Well, that's why I've got something else to. That's why I love having conversations uh, like this. Like when you open it up a little bit and just let people speak, you know, and, and, and go with their thoughts. Like this is the kind of conclusions that you can arrive at where, you know, you always, you know, confirm things or, you know, learn some new things about yourself, even your tastes and whatnot. I did find a a clip that I could play here. Um, Let me uh, drag it over for you guys to see. There we go. I can already name that voice in one note. That's Bukowski. What's he doing? You got it, dude. <laughs> no, it's um. This is the this is him reading uh of what we were just talking about about death. So let's let's let it play here. Give you my next poem, death. Look, he said, you've got spider traps all along this wall. It's fascinating. He was outside my door, peering at the stucco wall. I said, come on in. He said, no, wait. And he got a twig and found some ants. And he said, Bukowski, I'm going to make this ant run the gauntlet. The phone rang, and I answered the phone. And all I was talking and listening, he said, Bukowski, he got away from the first spider. Now the second one is out, and he's got the ant by the rear legs. Listen, Linda, I said, I've got a visitor, and also my toilet stopped, and the shit is coming up through the tub. (laughs) Hey, now. Kowski, he said. Now the spider is throwing a net over him. He's weaving around and around. Now he's moving in, Bukowski. Now he's got him. Death. The landlord came in. It'll take a little while to clear it up, he said. (laughs) He was talking about the shit. (laughs) All right, I said. Linda, I said, shit and death is everywhere. (laughs) I'll call you back, she said. Oh, that's beautiful. Now I've got a spider, said my visitor, and I'm giving him to the ant. I walked outside. For Christ's sake, kid, will you stop playing this spider-ant game? Let's go for a ride. The landlord gets very nervous when he plays with the plumbing. Look, he said, the ants are chopping the spider's legs off one by one. Good strategy, I said. Let's go. We drove down to Norm's and had breakfast. My friend commented continually on humanity. He didn't think they were much. I didn't argue. My friend was a great admirer of Ernest Hemingway. I drove him to Hollywood and Normandy and let him out. When I got back, 
the shit was still in the tub. I didn't want to take a bath anyway. Reminds me of the Motel 6 that Grace stayed in and Branson. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. There was awesome there stuff, was man. I'm glad we played that. That was so enjoyable. Thank you, Charles Bukowski, man. That was, that was awesome. Literally bodily fluids on the, on the carpet. Oh, yeah. No joke. I, I took I, a picture. Yeah, I have, the, I have the pictures. I have the pictures. So. You frame it yet? Okay. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be part of the biography that we're gonna we're gonna put Sorry together about for that. you. Yeah. <laughs> that exact recording was distributed on a CD called uh, "Poems and Insults" in the '90s. I know that. Nice. Go check it out, folks, if you can find that. They made a movie uh, out of his work too. I don't know Chuck or anybody uh, what the thoughts are on it. Barfly with uh, Mickey Rourke. Ooh, I've never seen. There's that. There's also a lengthy documentary, mostly filmed in black and white, showing him working at the post office and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where do but, you find that? Uh, I forget where I found that uh, off the top of my head, but look, look around for the documentary. I, I think there's only one that's like a full on about him. Um, that, that's like that, where it shows him working at the post office and all that stuff. He was broke most of the time. Yeah. Was it called Born Into This? Uh, that sounds right. I, I can't recall it i know i saw it and i thought it was great but it was probably something i temporarily had access to you know through one of those streaming services here i'm gonna drag this over because i think i may have found a copy of it uh right, that people can watch on youtube oh, what what the heck startup that is trying to stop cows wow stuff just started playing there we go shut up guy all right cool but um yeah i think this is it because uh, bukowski born into this documentary so I'll bookmark that and put it on this week's source list too, so people can check it out. Heck yeah, yeah, people, people are gonna be learning some stuff from this episode, guys. I like that. I like that. But um, now with uh, with that in mind, let's move on to the first of the big four because uh, I yeah, wanted to I talk. You're gonna say Fritz the cat. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely check out some Fritz the cat. But I was gonna say too, like uh, when you brought up that stuff from the '90s, Chuck. Uh, if people can find hard copies of those things anymore, find them and archive them. You know, that's that's one of the things. Uh, one of the the greatest sins I think I committed over the past several decades is giving up most of my physical media at certain points in my life. And I, man, I wish I had those CDs and things back. I uh, kept certain ones that were important to me, certain signed things and stuff like that, man. But yeah, if I could have all that physical media back, there's just such a, a, a threat from the Internet of Things now that this stuff can just be disappeared or go away. And we've run into that problem here on the show. And Graves, I know you've run into that problem with your research of stuff being scrubbed from the internet. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. And the Wayback Machine is starting to work on that now too. Yeah. Especially as thoughts, you know, are, are all of a sudden found verboten by our, our new, uh, our new leaders, you know, our new thought leaders in the world or, you know, decide that uh, the words of the past are no longer viable for people in today's day and age to listen to or adhere to. So too dangerous now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Way too dangerous. Uh, just now. on a personal level over time, I've done more than 2000 Ocelli effects. Right. And you yeah. can only really find about a hundred and something of them online anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that just goes to show you like what happened with you and YouTube, man. Like, um, you know, I, would people have their archives, you know, on those types of services and those services just up and decide arbitrarily to de delete you or threaten your business. Um, I just saw uh, a gentleman last night who I watch, um, 
his MMA coverage mainly, but he also had a political channel too on YouTube. And then through that, he received several strikes and they tie his two channels together. So his main channel that's mainly focused just on entertainment that he uses to make money because that's how you make money with making videos like this. It's definitely not telling the truth or anything like that. Or else all of our friends would be we'd be rolling in something. <laughs> we'd have a little bit more money. We'd be able to at least find some. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the entertainment, so he was so threatened by it that he deleted his entire uh, political channel. Thank goodness he backed it up on Rumble. You know, it's always good to have a backup archive somewhere if you can. But, you know, sometimes those things aren't as readily or easily available, you know, but. Um, sometimes uh, physical uh, copies is uh, a great thing, too, because the cloud won't always be there. No. Yeah. You, you can't always rely on that stuff. And even like with cloud storage, like what kind of. Who, who operates that and wh whose servers does it go on? Like when it comes to your rights um, for your, your type of content or anything you produce out there. And this goes into like what you put on social media too, folks. Like you think all your pictures are safe, you know, on your Facebook account from all of your history and past and stuff. You think that you have everything backed up on your Instagram. Well, you know, maybe you talk about the wrong thing sometime in the future. And then all the pictures of your kids and your family, people that are no longer here, that just all disappears overnight. You know, all those connections, everything that you made, all that work put into that stuff too can disappear in an instant these days. Yeah, years ago, we used to refer to it as the digital book burning. Yeah. Because that, that is exactly the way it's going to go, except look, it's a lot more efficient than any sort of book burning was. You know? Yeah. You're not always going to get every paper copy, but you can, uh, if everything is stored on the internet and everything is disconnected from a physical location, Hey, how easy is it to just press a button and it's gone? And uh, the YouTube example is just one thing where I had, you know, a fair archive. There was only about 900 videos on there, mine or so. But I mean, there, there was a lot more that could have been there, but I was, wasn't even posting it all already, you know. Uh, and uh, they, they, uh, it is what it is. You know, you can't find everything anymore of anybody's. So, oh, Chuck, Chuck, in the late 90s, wasn't there a campaign on the... Uh on the internet called the blue ribbon campaign that had to do with the digital uh, book burning. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was part of that. My, my old stupid website was part of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like Odyssey is speaking of digital book burning and stuff like of that nature. It looks like Odyssey is experiencing some issues folks. So sorry about that. If you're trying to watch along on Odyssey, but it looks like we are still, let me refresh and check. It looks like, yes, we are still going strong on rumble. So Rumble, young man, rumble. Hang in there. <laughs> and we'll, we'll deal with these technical issues. The gremlins have appeared yet again. So there's, the a, there's a gremlin on the, on the wing. <laughs> on the wing. John Liscow and William Shatner. Ah, yes. Let's, let's play a game. Let's see if we can get them to totally kick us off a rumble today. Uh, how about we do that? Let's, let's come up with the right keywords to get us kicked off entirely. Yes. Over Sandy Hook, <laughs> Pizzagate. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll probably we'll probably mention them all just in conversation uh, cool. here with this group. But um, yeah, so far, so good with uh, Rumble, although I have heard some people have been censored there. I think the only thing we've ever run into with Rumble is when Graves and I did that uh, watch along. Um, they can't I don't think they can take it down because they don't have any copyright legs to stand on with it. But um, we did show some boobies um, in that video. So, uh, yeah, that I guess Friday the 13th fan film Vengeance. 
Yeah, but they didn't monetize it. They monetize every other thing that I talk about, even like when we get into like crazy COVID stuff and everything else and I'm swearing and stuff, but they, they don't, they monetize all that. It's not great, but it's monetized, it says. But yeah, um, yeah I, they, they did not monetize the, the watch along, but that's okay. Um, but maybe we could do a, a watch along of the, the bar fly or something like that when you, that you mentioned there, Grace. That'd be I would love that. Or even the documentary that uh, Chuck was talking about. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, it'd be really yeah, sick. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, talk about the first of the big four here. This is related to uh, a little bit of the, the J6 story that we talked about, though. But this is, um, did Matt Gates have an affair with male staffer? This is from Newsweek. And it says, what we know. Now, um, in the article, it says Matt Gates' office has branded an allegation that he is having an affair with a member of his staff as totally false and libelous. The allegation presented without evidence by Rebecca Jones, the Democrat candidate House Republican Gates defeated in November of 2022 to secure re-election, has gone viral on social media, receiving more than 6.5 million views on Twitter alone. Now, right there, I'm calling bullshit because like 6.5 million views means it was whitelisted. It was pushed. There's no way that something like that could have gotten to that level without a little bit of help on that platform. I'm just a little bit of there. push. Yeah, a little bit of push. Um, and and why and why why so? You know, like why the engineering that way? Why the social engineering, folks? Ask yourselves that. But it says on Tuesday, Jones tweeted, "Gates is believed to be having an affair with his press secretary, Joel Valdez, according to three independent sources." And this is the quote here on Twitter from Rebecca Jones saying, I observed their air intimacy in a moment they thought was private about our debate, but didn't want to speculate without proof. Well, it says Gates' office and his wife have not responded to requests for comment. This is not Gates' first affair, nor is, is it his first with a man? <laughs> um, it says the tweet was widely shared, receiving more than 8,000 retweets, of course, to reach millions of social media users, which was most likely engineered again. But also, asked by another Twitter user to provide more concrete info. Great. Thank you, Twitter user, for asking for some proof, right? Um, Jones claimed that she had observed their intimacy in a moment they thought was private after our debate. Uh, now, later, she said, had two camera crews filming me at the time, but didn't provide any video evidence. Oh, what a shame. Like, so you mean that there was a possibility that there could have been real evidence provided and not just hearsay? But now it says that Jones declined to name her independent sources. So kind of like the Washington Post and other people like that when they do these kind of ops. Uh, when contacted by Newsweek saying they work in his, Gates's office, and fear for their jobs. Now, in a statement sent to Newsweek, Gates's office fervently denied the allegations, commenting, Thrice fired, indicted, politically defeated, mentally unstable people shouldn't be considered sources by serious media. Mrs. Jones's statement referenced no sourcing or evidence in her defamatory posts. Now that's funny because the beginning of this is defamatory. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's just like they're just slinging shit on each other, right? So we're just watching two monkeys throw poo at each other, folks. Uh, it says we hope Mrs. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope Mrs. Jones reforms can we her. Get a, can we get a meme there, please? I need that meme. Oh yeah, we can make that happen for sure. Uh, we'll get uh, we'll get Gates's face on a monkey. We'll get this lady's face yeah. on a monkey. It's gonna be fun. 
Sounds good. But, you know, before you even continue with this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, six, I mean, wh- why do I care? Well, the reason why I wanted to bring this stuff up is, is that you know, we- I'm, I'm just asking, I'm not trying to criticize you for bringing it up. I'm just asking, like, why do I care? Why is news? Yeah, what's the bigger right? picture? I was wondering that myself because uh, people have affairs all the time. Gay, straight. Yes. Yes. And we, we had this previous conversation too, a couple episodes ago with critical thought while she was here. Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up was, is that if you look at um, what's happening as well in other things, like this is, this is um, the sexual allegations that are made, right? That hold no real water, that hold no real evidence that never really go anywhere. Where do they originate from? Are they just opposition, you know, type of tactics where you just smear somebody by accusing them of something? Like we've seen this with Joe Biden. We've seen it with exactly what it was. Again, it's the second time they've done this to Matt Gates. Well, yeah, we have here um, about his son. (laughs) This came, you know, in this whole entire situation with his gay affair came from a woman that he defeated. I mean, it just it's fucking insanity and slander. And there's no surprise to me. But here's what the the best part is, okay? At the very end of the article, though, they approached the very guy, okay, who's claimed to be the uh, one who's having the affair with Valdez, and he was asked, and all he said was he referred Newsweek to a representative for Gates' congressional office. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't even deny it. Does not even deny it. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, Lisa. I think it's better for him to stay completely neutral. I'm not going to sit there and have a debate with somebody asking him that question, mm. right? Or, or have to defend himself. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That's I that's think a, it's better that he didn't say anything and just did what he did. I think that's a, I think that's a weird way to approach it. I mean, just have no comment then. I mean, to say. Uh, referred to Gates' congressional office. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of like bizarre, I think. I mean, why would you why would you direct them to the Gates' congressional office? Why I mean, would you refer them back to the place where the leak apparently came from? Or at least accused of being of, of having you know come from. Like in in the article it says that it's members of Gates' own staff that were the leakers of this information to Rebecca Jones. That it was it was people within his office that didn't want to be fired. So why would you refer them back to that same corrupted office? I mean, the, the reason why I bring this up, and the main reason is that this isn't Gates's first, you know, ride on this this carnival. Uh, w- when it comes to being accused of stuff like this, like he's been accused of having an inappropriate relationship with his adopted son, um, and then there was other also ac- accusations too. Um, uh, surrounding him about sex and human trafficking. Now, this is all when it, when it comes down to it too. Like, if you look at Gates's position, you know, especially with this person, I'm circling no here. Intended. Kevin, yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Like Gates, Gates was given the sort of like the quarterback role in the negotiations of getting McCarthy into power. So now you're seeing more allegations being chucked at him. And then you're also seeing similar allegations being chucked at uh, Herschel Walker's campaign too, by another staffer 
Um, this is an interesting story too. So this all ties in. So um, what I was uh, going to say is in the article, it says here, the, the former Herschel Walker campaign staffer who sued American Conservative Union or ACU chairman Matt Schlapp earlier this month for alleged sexual assault. So the, here's another, like, can we, can we find any hard evidence? No pun intended. Um, has filed another lawsuit against... <laughs> Yeah, it's filed another lawsuit against another GOP fundraiser for defamation. So all these gay ops, like uh, being like it's it's them trying to find like the televangelist preachers that preach against gay stuff, but then find them and go after them on gay allegations, or find them in a parking lot with a with a young boy from their church, airport restroom. Yeah, you know it. And how it and how does it never hurt Lindsey Graham? By the way. Well, <laughs> well, that's exactly that's exactly why I wanted to bring this up, Lisa. Thank you. So I'll switch back he to the panel deep. because those people are never going to be found with hard evidence. Again, no pun intended. With uh, with oh. that stuff, it, it's always the accusations of the people that might be threats to the establishment where this stuff gets levied against them. You know, so like all these allegations come out, they smear you, they they hurt your character, they may influence decisions that are being made at the time, like whether or not a bill gets passed. You know, whether whether or not something gets swept under the rug, you know, whether or not people get pardoned or released from prison like we were talking about earlier. Right. So it influences at the time and then it just seems to just go away. You know, all the accusers and all the just like uh, what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, all the dogpiling that happens with accusers, all that stuff just Neil disappears. Yeah. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson that we talked about a couple episodes ago. All that stuff just seems to go away. But at the time, it can be very harmful and, and impactful with what's going on politically too. So even if you read about not, not just uh, Herschel Walker here, but Matt Gates is also wrapped up into this too, because he talks about it later. I mean, because you have, um, uh, let me see here. See, but Lindsey Graham's a great example that Lisa brings up where mm -hmm. it, it doesn't affect him no matter what gets floated. And I think ultimately it doesn't actually do a lot of harm to these guys. They're still in a position of power. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a privileged position, it slides off. It's not a big deal. It's a constant barrage. And I'll tell, I'll what tell you what also slides off, though, okay, is when you have Matt oh. Gates uh, support a red flag gun law bill, okay? Mm -hmm. And he that doesn't that has no negative effect either. Freaking Eddie Haskell wannabe. Yeah, this is uh, the thing is we the love worst. Trump. Matt Gates backpedal says red flag law was a staff error. <laughs> sure. The same staff that turned him in. The staff or leaked on him. Yeah, leaked on him about his oh, affair. I'm sorry. Does the staff member what makes his votes? Mm -hmm. Well, ultimately, somebody in his staff has the job of controlling the narratives regarding his public image. Okay. And ultimately, yeah, if you know about Congress at all, I mean, do these guys take the time to read every single book-length manuscript no. that is an alleged law before it gets passed? No. They have their staff read it at best to tell them what's in it. They give them a summary. They give them a synopsis. I mean, it, this is just the way things are done. Yeah, but red flag, but that, that you don't need, <laughs> with that topic, you got to be a real asswipe. Not to know where you where you should be standing if you're supposed to GOP. Oh, right? I agree with you. I'm sorry. You know, it really, forget about the GOP label. I, I'm I'm thinking you should know where you stand regardless uh, on something like that. That ought to be an easy one. But 
it never is. It never is. And these guys don't read this stuff for themselves, whether they have good intentions or they don't care, or they're just in it for the grift. It doesn't matter. They never read their stuff. I mean, it's just, it's the reality. Remember, remember the Michael Moore movie, right? Sit down. Okay. Sit, sit down. You, know, you know what? Yeah. We need a, we need a meme for, for Matt Gates with a, 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 like a Superman thing. And ha- instead of that, you put G for grease. Fair enough. Lisa, I don't like how you keep you keep pausing when you say that. Why do you keep saying Matt Gates? Is Greece a sexual thing? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I mean, it can be. <laughs> Gross. I mean, ask it's ask like, the masseuse that. Uh, am I emphasizing that? Ask how the masseuse that was apparently me? grabbed by the boo boo, as Tommy Chong would say when it came to John Travolta, because that's that's a, that's another but, thing that I've heard over the years. One more thing, though. What? Notice, what? notice that supposedly he was investigated by the FBI. Now, really, if there's anything we know about the FBI, that if they wanted to hang him out to dry, that they would have. The fact that they've gone so easy on this guy, you know, he is one of them. Uh, right. Is is Christopher Ray still not the head of the FBI, or 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 am I confused? Because I is I that think, a trick question? I. I no, not, not to my mind. Maybe it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, because the head of what? The that FBI. Penile. And what we're bringing whatever. up here, folks, according to the Washington Post in September, one Trump aide, uh, McKenty, testified that Gates sought a preempted pardon regarding a, a sex trafficking investigation in which he was a target. And it says prosecutors, because you mentioned that FBI and stuff like that, it says prosecutors have since recommended against charging Gates in the matter reportedly in part due to credibility concerns with two central witnesses. Hmm, I wonder why. And it says his former associate, Joel Greenberg, though, has been sentenced to 11 years in prison in the investigation. <laughs> so Handler on so many levels. Yeah. So, so let me guess. H- hookers are not credible witnesses, maybe? Is that is that what the problem is uh, in, in this yeah. case, or, or am I wrong? Yeah, who finds what credible? I mean, when you can have allegations such that were placed against Trump about, you know, raping a woman in in a dressing room uh, in an abandoned department store floor level or something like that. And with no real time date, um, any other witnesses or description or any physical evidence. And you can make mainstream media with that. You can get book deals based on that kind of accusation. I bet Um, there's a lot of rubber gloves. I know I got two of them. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was, I thought the one on the airplane was better, but you know, uh, maybe it's just me. Well, that's the thing. Like, how many of these? That's why I wanted to bring this up because how many of these can we rattle off for just modern politicians? You know, I brought up JFK a little bit because I remember like things about Marilyn Monroe and JFK. I talked to Lisa uh, about that, and actually, Lisa's mom came up with something pretty cool about that too. Uh, uh, the, you know, she had a th- her own theory about Marilyn Monroe and JFK and everything. Uh, but it was it was just yeah, like that we, was all after the fact, like Chuck was saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but see, my mom's 95, right? Mm-hmm. So her thought process, though, she related to me. Well, of course, she said to me, uh, out of the blue, said to me, you know, she she didn't die by suicide, right? You know she was murdered. <laughs> so, And her, now, she said everybody knew, okay? She said, but Marilyn wasn't exactly innocent, she said, because what she said that during that time, Marilyn was really uh, pressing uh, Bobby there to uh, uh, divorce from Ethel. 
Mm. And that was the pro- real problem. Because she was, you know, picking up a stink there. So I'm just saying. No, it goes in a lot of directions with Marilyn. But again, you know, that stuff was not seen at that moment. When she's singing Happy Birthday, as far as the, you know, the media distribution was, it's just, oh, look, Marilyn Monroe showed up to sing to the president. Of course she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though she actually, uh, you know, broke contract and, and got in trouble and was supposed to get fined by the studio for breaking away from her movie and all that uh, in order to travel to go to go and do that uh, on stage. It, it's, there's a whole thing there, you know, but but all this stuff, again, it's posthumous because it's after she's dead and gone. It's after he's dead and gone. So now people say, well, I knew from the inside this and that. You know, we, we, we've heard from the photographer who spent a week with her. We've heard from the, uh, you know, the, the lady that used to clean up the house. We heard from her assistant now. You know, we've heard from a lot of people. Uh, and, and, you know, try, you, you want to take on a real challenge, try and get anything out of Bobby Kennedy's estate regarding anything. Uh, you know, it's uh, it goes all different ways. But again, it's after they're dead. You know, then we get into this. No, 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 it's no. Like with the cause cause my, it's like the No, because my mother... Because my mother saw it before she was murdered. Hmm. That that it was showing that publicly uh, Marilyn was, uh, it, you know, really after wanting, you know, to marry Bobby, right? So it was happening before she was murdered. Hmm. Well, I'd love to see what your mom saw. Because yeah. uh, as far as I know, that was not in the public's eye at all at the time. Man, we'll have to do a deep dive on that eventually. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it yeah. because, uh, yeah. See, and the thing here too, um, the, again, the reason why I brought this up this week is that when, whenever somebody is in a position like Matt Gates, where they're sort of like the opposition, they're set up to be the opposition, the Republican Party that's that's supposed to stand for something for the people, right? Like everybody has accepted that uh, McConnell and McCarthy. And those types of establishment players aren't really for us. And Matt Gates is being heralded by people on the right now as being this rebel and other things. Well, how compromised can he possibly be um, whenever it comes to these sexual scandals is one thing. And if none of them are true, what type of influence is being used against him then to get him to to err on certain things? You know, to See, but go sure certain or not, ways. again, in a different era, different things happen. If you take a look back at the situation with a, a governor of New Jersey in uh i think it was early 2000 somewhere in there maybe 2001 2002 the guy's name was jim mcgreevy mm-hmm. and uh he was basically run out of office after he had been put in after being lieutenant governor and the governor left he was run out of office uh mainly wasn't that tom ridge at the time no no not tom ridge tom ridge was the governor of pennsylvania, pennsylvania. The, the one that left was uh, uh what whitman the one who ended up heading the epa for 9-11 right Christy Todd Whitman, you're right. Yep, yep. Right. So the the replacement there when she left office as the governor of New Jersey was Jim McGreevy. He was lieutenant governor before that. And uh, and then he was uh, kind of just forced to resign after it was revealed that he had this long-term relationship with a male staffer and had gotten him a government job and all this stuff. It was a big scandal. And he was basically removed from office, uh, essentially, on this, you know, forced to resign. Um. And, you know, today, that wouldn't be the case. Today, I don't think he would have been forced out, even though it was really about the allegation that he had improperly gotten his lover a job with the state. Um, 
And uh, it's it, it's a different different time. You know, the sex scandal got people removed. The sex scandal was a bigger thing. Nowadays, because things happen in real time, there's no delay in reporting. Instantaneously, stuff can be spread uh, right on Twitter. It takes five minutes, and the world knows it, right? Uh, you know, it, it's it's a different time period. You're not waiting for the 6 o'clock news anymore. You're not waiting for the next day's newspaper. And meanwhile, if you lived in New Jersey, it was known fact that this guy was gay, even though he had the wife and the kids and the whole thing, the governor of New Jersey at the time, McGreevy. It was like if you lived, if you knew people in North Jersey, everybody knew this. It wasn't a shock. But once it hit the, uh, you know, the national press, it was a scandal. Boom. The guy was forced to resign. Take a look back at that case. You see the dynamic at play there. It's not like that anymore. Well, I know. So I did find this from the Atlantic. Um, Not that they're a great source, but this is uh, Bobby in Maryland by the Daily Dish. It says it's from 07. Um, It says, Mm -hmm. did he assist in her suicide? I do not know if the FBI recently disclosed report, and there's a link to that there, has any basis in truth. It was compiled by J. Edgar Hoover. (laughs) And that's perfect how it floats into this, right? The whole Bobby Bobby and Jack killed Marilyn thing is a bunch of bullshit. And it's like, where do these uh, accusations originally come from? You know, from people like J. Edgar Hoover. Like, so what, what stake would they have in, in smearing somebody that way? And back then, like when you were talking about, you know, Chuck, those types of instances back before the age of the internet, back before things could be around the earth and in, in, in matter of seconds, um, it took a long time to recover from accusations like that because people saw it. You know, Walter Cronkite says it, it's truth. And then good luck from there, even decades you know, to recover from a hit like that to your character. Just remember, Walter Cronkite was the voice of Moloch, the owl god at Bohemian Grove for decades. But nowadays, the pace is so fast, right, where things can keep coming at you, keep coming at you. I I mean, if you want to get into weirder allegations, there's a guy who wrote a series of books, you know, supposedly showing the dark side of the Kennedys, where he actually claims that Bobby and Jackie had an affair as well. Uh, and, and it turns out that he, you know, he has this eyewitness that he claims absolutely saw certain things. You do a little research, you find out the eyewitness couldn't have witnessed what they said they witnessed, but it's okay. Yeah. And he uh, also I, said he, he also wrote the thing saying that JFK Jr. was drunk right before he got in this plane and everything. And he had a witness there too. And the yeah, work, same guy. yeah, the right. work it takes to undo those accusations, you know, just the, the not only just the immediate damage of them. And what happens, but the work that it takes to build your character back up after so after you know mm-hmm. somebody accuses you of being Especially a wife if beater, dead and they can't. Yeah, that too. Dead. Yeah, yeah, the ones that get those accusations and then wind up dead, or the ones that wind up in jail. So to to finish out, like sort of my point about this topic on the Big Four, though, I wanted to bring this up. This is a developing story as of late. ABC journalist who went missing last April after the FBI seized classified documents from his laptop is arrested. For transporting child pornography. Now we've mm. talked about this here on the show. It's not just accusations of having an illicit affair, you know, cheating on your wife, or maybe you know being gay when you're supposed to be like a upstanding conservative Christian, Christian. Republican. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah. But also, maybe if you threaten the establishment, they just might plant some child porn on your laptop. Let's read Look this. Look at Stephen Paddock, uh, the Vegas supposed uh, patsy. His brother, he got busted with child porn like a week later after uh, trying to provide evidence that wasn't his brother that was shooting. Yeah, go fucking figure, right? 
It's says- no the the evidence after they seized his computer. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, come on, playbook planting evidence. Come yeah. On. How does it get oh, there? Like yeah. Yeah. Who's 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 possession was it in how many uh, what was the chain of of uh, possession there like the the chain of command uh that it passed through chain uh, of custody chain of custody chain thank of you custody. yeah that's what i was reaching for thank you grace but it says that a former abc journalist folks who went missing after the fbi raided his home and seized his laptop has been arrested for transporting child pornography as reported last year emmy winning investigative journalist so they they give awards to all the creeps don't they uh james meek went missing after the FBI raided his Virginia home and seized classified information from his laptop in April of 2022. Now it says James Gordon Meek 52 went missing after the feds raided his Arlington penthouse apartment. The Rolling Stone reported, yeah, because we can fucking trust them too. Uh, Meek produced the Hulu documentary 3212 Unredacted, which detailed the 2017 Pentagon cover-up of the deaths of U.S. Special Forces in Niger. The lightning raid, in quotes it says, was conducted after a search warrant was approved by a federal magistrate judge in the Virginia Eastern District Court, Rolling Stone has reported. In quotes it says, if agents got hold of Meek's records, the move would have had to have been approved by U.S. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. Or Monaco. Uh, the New York Post reported that. Now, Meek's attorneys lashed out at the U.S. government for leaking information to Rolling Stone. Because that's how these accusations get presented to us, right? It's usually an accusation, just like we read, just going going back to the first story, guys. You know, somebody leaks something to the press, apparently out of somebody's office or something like that, right? And then the story from Newsweek and all these accusations go around the world. What kind of damage can that do in the immediate, right? But then you get people like this that expose any type of government wrongdoing, because we're going to read about that too. It says, uh, the accusations in your inquiry are troubling for a different reason. They appear to come from a source inside the government. Meek's attorney, Eugene uh, Garakoff, told Rolling Stone, it is highly inappropriate and illegal for individuals in the government to leak information about an ongoing investigation. It says, we hope the DOJ promptly investigates the source of this leak. Yeah, they're going to get right the fuck on it, aren't they? Uh, Meek's last public statement was in the form of a tweet on April 27th of 2022, and his colleagues at ABC said Meek fell off the face of the earth. Now, it says Meek was arrested this week and faces up to 20 years in prison. Now, the Daily Mail reported the Department of Justice has arrested former ABC News producer James Meek for transporting images of child pornography. This was nine months after the FBI raided his home and took several of his electronic devices. Meek, a celebrated investigative reporter, resigned from the network via email just hours after heavily armed agents swooped on his penthouse apartment in Arlington, Virginia in April. He is charged with the transportation of child pornography using evidence stemming from that raid. If convicted, he faces a mandatory minimum of five years in prison and a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Talking that they didn't suicide him. Well, let's go on and see why, why that could have been says Meek was last seen in late October when Daily Mail finally spotted him at his elderly mom's townhouse in McLean, Virginia, 15 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. The April 27th swoop sparked fears Meek was being targeted, and this is important, for his trailblazing journalism, which has exposed shocking military cover-ups, friendly fire deaths, Pat Tillman and other things, and foiled terror plots. Can you imagine if that was the actual headline? That should have been the freaking headline. Yeah. 
That should have been the headline. How many people will read the freaking article to get down to that piece of information? So folks, just to summarize, like when I see these sexual allegations, I mean, you should always take them with a grain of salt, right? Especially when they present nothing but hearsay. Like, oh, an unnamed source told us so that this guy and so-and-so. That's great. And that could be true. And that could, you know, have an effect on their character and their decisions. But also, accusations like that could be opposition. You know, it could be an operation by the opposition to rather get people to do certain things or to not do certain things, to take certain actions, to vote certain ways, or to keep themselves out of fucking prison. What would you do to keep yourself out of 20 years in prison for being a child sex offender? Anybody want to volunteer for that one for their credibility, right? Like if you are credible news, you know, newsman, like you're a credible reporter that reports on, you know, lies that the military and Pentagon tells us, which we all know. I mean, look up Ned Price, folks. You don't have to go much further than that. Even. Or they just kill you, Michael Hastings. Yes. Yes. I mean, those are your options, right? Like you could you could be killed like Michael Hastings. Uh, where they take control of your vehicle and slam it into a, like a brick wall or a tree or something like that at 90 miles an hour. Or you could do 20 years in jail for porn that somebody put on your laptop. Like, or you can be Gary Webb, you know, that too. Yeah. Well, oh, do do enlighten the audience about that one, Chuck, just so for, for folks that don't know, because I, I love oh, Gary, Gary Webb. I mean, you, everybody here is aware of this, I'm sure, but... Uh, you know, the San Jose Mercury News, you would have probably never heard of it except that he wrote for it and uh, wound up telling you the story about the CIA and crack cocaine with uh, a whole lot of credible sources. And uh, gee, isn't that interesting? Linked to organized crime and the intelligence agencies. How is his cocaine gotten to your country? Oops. And then, uh, you know, suddenly his whole life fell apart. You know, he gets kind of unceremoniously tossed out of his house and then allegedly commits suicide. Uh, and I've had more than one person tell me it seems awfully funny that you can shoot yourself in the head twice. But, uh, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Gary Webb, and uh, they've even made a movie out of it called Kill the Messenger, which tells part of the story, but it goes a lot deeper. Uh, Dark Alliance would be the uh, phrase to search if you're going to do a duck, duck, go on it. All right. Well, I do have here an article I just pulled up uh, for this week's source list from The Intercept. It says how the CIA watched over the destruction of Gary Webb. This freshly released CIA documents show how the largest U.S. newspaper helped the agency contain a a groundbreaking expose. Yeah, it says 15 years after it was published, Dark Alliance, the San Jose Mercury News' bombshell investigation into links between the cocaine trade, Nicaragua's uh, Contra rebels, and African-American neighborhoods in California remains one of the most explosive and controversial exposés in American journalism. Says the 20,000 word series enraged black communities, prompted congressional hearings, and became one of the most, uh, uh, I'm sorry, one of the first major national security stories in history to blow up online. It also sparked an aggressive backlash from the nation's most powerful media outlets, which devoted considerable resources to discredit author Gary Webb's reporting. And that's why I think these sexual allegations are. Are, are, are placed on people. Six, it's to discredit keep, them. It's six, defamation. Keep, six, keep this in mind. Up until uh, a few years ago, that was considered a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. And, and that term, too, like I mentioned in the monologue, man. Like, but, uh, the fact, but the fact that even people, the general public, are even swayed by, by that, 
I mean, what does that say? Well, we're all we're all swayed by you know the accusations of the uh, authority media, like the the ones that they they deem as being authoritative sources. Right? That's a that's a term that's popped up over the past couple of years. Like even us in the alternative media, I'm sure Chuck, you can you can testify to this. We all we all follow their their same line that they put out. We just do it in a reactive way. So such and such comes out from the Pentagon and says we're going to war because of X, and then let's just say the left establishment embraces it, like with Ukraine. Well, then what does the right do? They just take the opposite position. They they pick the antithesis to that, and they just present that as as their argument. Well, that's not entirely true or right, right? There's more nuance to those situations. Uh, there's more information that you're not gleaning from that. And there's information that isn't being given from the start that needs to be investigated before you make up your mind or take sides and things like that. But no, the alternative media, what do they do? They just, you, you get the Ben Shapiro's of the world that just come on and say the opposite of whatever uh, the, the modern Walter Cronkite or something like that, or like an Anderson Cooper says, right? We just have those two sides of the coin, that false dichotomy, don't we? Mm -hmm. No, that's exactly what happens. I mean, wh why do I get fired from an allegedly, you know, alternative uh, radio network because I wasn't uh, willing to jump right on board and support Putin? Uh, but I also wasn't willing to just, you know, support the other side of the line either, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's a, an outfit out of Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, they, so they, they get rid of me because of that. Eh, that was still a, a five game. eyes country. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, if you, know, if you look at who's, <laughs> who's got things at stake there and who's, got, who's wrapped up with who when it comes to the, the, the Ukraine and proxy war against right. Russia, all the Five Eyes countries probably have their, their stake in it. And just witness the, uh, the constantly uh, shifting sands regarding, you know, who supported and who didn't support the war in Iraq, yeah. uh, who's, who supported and didn't support either the withdrawal or the incursion into Afghanistan. Uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, you know, pick a day, pick a side, and that's what you're supposed to do. And yeah, in alt media circles, uh, look, it ends up being like you can't just take the opposition standpoint and say, I'm going to oppose everything that they're saying. Because look, if it was completely fictitious, uh, it would be one thing, but they got to mix some reality into it. Yeah. So you got to pick through it, you got to sift the sand. That's what the problem is. And well, you know, not everybody does. What are you going to do? Well, and I'm I'm glad that we we sort of ended on that type of topic because it actually beautifully rolls into the next of the big four that I wanted to bring up this week. Um, and when you talk about like how people are threatened with uh, things like doing time for child pornography uh, that investigate the Pentagon, um, it's probably because they're involved in shit like this. Um, this recent Israel drone strike against Iranian weapons facilities. Uh, it says this Sunday morning operation by the Mossad intelligence agency is said to have achieved its goals. Now I'm going to play this quickly for everybody. Now uh, I'm going to skip on to the article here. Mute that. But it says, yeah, uh, in the article, it says an Israeli drone strike inside Iran hit an advanced weapons production facility in an attack that Israel believes achieved its goals. Why are they allowed to just do this? Why are they? Why is the Wall Street Journal, which I believe is now owned by Alphabet, you know, Google's parent company, um, why are they just, why is Dov Lieber 
and Tel Aviv and uh, Benoit Facon in London. And oh boy, this is going to be a fun one. Arisel Ekwabali in Tyrant. Yeah, thank you. Um, why are they just reporting this if it's just, you know, like, like they're reading a menu at the Pizza Hut buffet in Woonsocket, Rhode Island to you, right? Like, yeah, it's just is Israeli drone strike inside Iran hit advanced weapons production facility says in an attack that Israel believes achieved its goals. Great, yeah. Why are they doing preemptive strikes on a supposed uh, weapons production facility too? And who's backing them in that? Why can one country just jump into another country and start blowing its shit up? Um, and it's probably uh, uh, let me think. Precedent now. Yeah. The, the Mossad said it was true. I mean, what, what's wrong with you, Six? Yeah, exactly. Were they dancing while they did it? <laughs> That's what it says. The operation early Sunday morning was executed by Israeli's intelligence agency, the Mossad, and targeted a Ministry of Defense site in F- Isfahan in central Iran, hitting a building in four different areas with precision strikes, the people said. Uh, satellite photos showed what appeared to be a minor... To be... A minor damage in the site's roof, but the people called the mission successful without elaborating. So it w- it was a success, but there's no proof that it was even successful, or if it was the thing that it was supposed to be, or if it was the real target. Who knows? No, it says oh, that's real precision. Up. That's real up. precision. The roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did <laughs> fucked up the roof. Uh, it says the account contradicts Iranian officials because you, know, you, you gotta you gotta trust one side of the false <laughs> dichotomy, right? You could either you believe, gotta pick a side. yeah, you gotta pick a side between Israel and Iran, and uh, don't you dare pick the side of the axis of evil, folks. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember that that, yeah, that fucking one, yarn. You had, you had two of them back in mm-hmm. the World War II, and then you had W with his North Korea, Iran, Iraq axis. Yeah, well, yeah. in fairness, that was the Axis powers versus the Axis to be evil. So, you know, it was like a refrain. I stand that, you know, yeah, go along with it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they always reuse that shit. They're always rehashing things. It's just like pro oh, wrestling, yeah. man. It's like the, the tropes stay the same. It's just the, the times change and the, the characters change and the names yeah, slightly. Like but, all the different politicians who've used Make America Great Again, again, and again. You know what? Yeah. Lisa and I had an awesome conversation about that just the other day. That, that's awesome that you brought that up. I, I might be able to even find that article too in a second. But it said, uh, the, the, account of, I, the account contradicts Iranian officials who have said the country's air defenses had fended off an attempted attack on an ammunition depot that caused minimal damage. Yeah. So, I mean, bust, slightly busted up roof. I'd say that that sounds a little bit more plausible than what Israel said. But let's read on. It says, the attack marked another chapter in the long-running conflict between Israel and Iran, with Israel using sabotage, assassination, and drone strikes to target Iran's nuclear program. And it's com- like the CIA, too. <laughs> uh, exactly. You know, when you talk about sabotage, assassination, drone strikes, and God knows what else. Oh, may they may they have been involved in, um, oh, let's say, like, uh, compromat sex ops, like Jeffrey Epstein, too? Who knows? Uh, yeah, but uh, why, why did... Yeah, why get even beyond ammunition depot versus nuclear facility? I mean, they must be the same thing. Oh yeah, exactly. Like a, 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 yeah. a, a maybe like a fertilizer uh, storage facility. You know, that could be used for explosives. Anything yeah, that well, could be awesome. possibly explosive. It could be a Yankee candle factory there, and they'd be like, "Well, those do light on fire sometimes." You know, <laughs> so they just. <laughs> 
causes fires, right? Yeah, it causes fires. So, you know, it's, it's a firebombing facility, a firebombing, uh, a weapons manufacturer for firebombing. The, 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 the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies and the mainstream press will feed us any fucking excuse when it comes to this stuff, especially in the immediate. Like when they're caught doing dirty stuff like this, like when they're they're caught like blowing shit, being part of blowing shit up and the sabotage and the assassinations and the drone strikes that blow up people's kids, you know, like the great before we left Afghanistan. That was our glorious end to that, you know, decades, uh, multiple decades long war and, and huge direct freedom. Yeah. And huge boondoggle. Yeah, the, the right as we pull out, we, we make sure that we leave a lasting impression by blowing up a bunch of innocent kids running out to a car to pick up water. Because they can't Hello. get fresh water because of fuckers like us and our government. That's great. That's great. It makes me feel it's warm and fuzzy feelings, right? <laughs> that we're supposed to get from this shit. Tax day's coming up. Yeah, yeah. That. This is what it Yeah, but here's the best part though. I think maybe I might be getting ahead of you, six, but right. in the next paragraph, mm -hmm. this is really kind of uh interesting because mm -hmm. supposedly the depicted drones are most likely Chinese made quadcopter drones. We throw all the Chinese into the mix. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you bring it up now, and that's the thing. The military-industrial complex, I mean, who's involved in that nowadays? It says, if authentic, the depicted drones are most likely Chinese-made quadquadra drones. Just you mean like the you Chinese are with the Israelis now? Yeah. With limited range that may have launched from within Iran. Well, if you look at what happened during COVID, too. I mean, with, with the shots, COVID, and Israel... And China, like they were oh part God, of, they right. were a large part of the propaganda campaign, oh, a huge wow. oh. part of the propaganda campaign. I wonder why Kushner was such a big thing there. Yes. And Israel is currently under a very uh, a more mili militarized, military base like type of uh, leadership, too. Um, and also, they the most boosters out of everyone, too. Yep. Yeah, they were super. They were super hardcore about enforcement and compliance in that country, which is what made them one of the first to tell us that the shit wasn't working. So, kind of, hey, thanks for that, guys. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't looking over at Israel and seeing like the the efficacy of the the original series, and then every additional booster that was forced upon its people, if I wasn't able to see that, I, I wouldn't have been able to, con you know, con have have enough information to make my own decision on what to tell myself and other people in my life. I, I mean, they have a good example to hold up uh, of an alleged democracy that was doing oh so well, getting all of its people vaccinated, didn't they, Six? Oh, Isn't yeah. that what that was useful for? I, I Maybe my memory's fuzzy. Well, yeah. And, and like I said, they, they recently had um, a big changeover. I mean, they were, they were ruled by Netanyahu for many, many years. And then they switched over to this new guy. And I heard that this new guy isn't even Jewish. Like it was like the first of its kind of happened. People were celebrating. They're like, look at how like Wait, isn't, diverse. Wait, is Netanyahu and, back? Uh, well, Netanyahu's trying to come back, but they had um, at the time. Let me look up the guy's name. Um, oh, he's back. He no, is Net back. You're right, Lisa. Okay. Netanyahu's back in power. Yeah. 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 But the guy that was um, in between there, though, he was like a very military like type of guy. They're you know, like the Pope. Well, see, now that's not the propaganda I received yesterday. The propaganda mm. I received yesterday is that they've gone a whole lot more right wing. Yeah. Actually. Yep. Uh, in recent times. Yeah. Yeah, I have this here. I'm trying to find the leader's name. Netanyahu, by the way, also, I believe, said that 9-11 was, uh, was good for them. 
Naftali Bennett. I found I found the guy's name here. I'll drag this over onto the screen so you guys can see. But yeah, Natali Bennett was the guy responsible for the uh, the rollout of the shots in Israel and everything during COVID. So yeah, this this was the guy. So you know, now Netanyahu. Sort of, sort of. Um, no, it's okay. I didn't really have a point to that. I was, just, I, but, I couldn't think of the name. With, I just wanted to find it. With Netanyahu, just think about this: how uh, heavily integrated he is with with the U.S. I mean, he basically uh, look MIT educated, right? He's I fucking mean, Israel's Putin. He never goes away. This guy, like, it just so he was in power, then he was out of power. There were scandals. There was, you know, he was found like guilty crap. of crimes. I mean, then he's back in power, just like with, with, with Lulu in Brazil, too. You know, somebody that was in power, found to be corrupt, even did fucking jail time, now back in power. Why is that? And, and also, ask yourselves this, too. What connection is there between those people? Well, who does the intelligence ag- who, who are the intelligence agencies backing in all of those occasions? You know, who do they want to be in power <laughs> in those occasions? Right? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how everybody finds their way back into the fold, even when they're found guilty of crimes, even when they're found guilty of corruption and other things, even when they're just outright liars and fucking murderers, <laughs> rapists. That doesn't matter. Child porn doesn't matter. They're still in power. You know, Bill Clinton still gets to go around and, and do speeches and collect money and walk around as a free man. You know, it's just you know, other people that. Yeah, get how few- many uh, secrets did he uh, sell off to uh, China back in the 90s? Oh, true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the crimes, crimes against humanity for stuff like that. You know, I don't know, uh, but you do have to feel bad for him a little bit that he that he uh, had to be uh, somehow that they made it that he had to be tag team with Hillary. I mean, that really is a that's a prison sentence. I have to say. Oh, gross. Yeah, just thinking about that. I, I've, Grace, uh, have you ever heard the rumors about her and Yoko Ono? I've Talk heard about something. ultimate grossness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Ama, what's her name? Uma Dean there? Uma Pomeraju, yeah, or something like that is her name. Oh, yeah, Uma, yeah. Uma Aberdeen. Uma Aberdeen, yeah, there we go, yeah. Yeah, supposedly there's uh, a film on the dark with the two of them, supposedly, allegedly, and that's all I'll say on that. Yikes. Man, I hope that they... There's a reason why Hillary Hillary wears those big tent dresses. Man. That is the only time where that uh, Japanese porn like uh, blurring of stuff would probably save my life. <laughs> I'd be th- if I ever stumbled across that video doing research, it was like, okay, I'm gonna press play here. I'm not- and then those little like fuzzy bubbles popped up. I'd be like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> you ever want to see something with uh, Yoko Ono, right? That'll make you laugh. Just look up the clip uh, at some point. Of John Lennon and Yoko Ono on a TV show. Oh yes, with Chuck Berry. With Chuck Berry, <laughs> and then when Yoko goes to, st- I say sing. Uh, I use that term very loosely when she goes to vocalize. Oh. <laughs> Chuck Berry's face. Oh. Priceless. Hey, everyone it should is. make that same face whenever you read a story that has like one of these unconfirmed sources named in them when, when it comes to these allegations. You should make that same face like, the what anonymous the fuck? Law uh, yeah. It's either that or you should make the Yoko sound where she grabs the bongo mic and all of a sudden just for no reason goes, oh, wow, wow, wow. Oh, wow. oh God. Chuck Berry turns his head like somebody oh. just farted in his amp. 
Oh yeah. man. And Chuck was notorious too for not putting up with any shit. Must be something in the name. But uh like I think he even got into it with Keith Richards because Keith Richards set up like this whole Chuck Berry celebration where they brought out Chuck, like they drove him onto the stage, like on a on a, on a convertible playing guitar and it was ballsy. Like and, and just but it, it Chuck wanted to get paid. And just like he he looked at Keith as somebody like when we talked uh, earlier off air about Steve Ray Vaughn and and Eric Clapton, like and how they paid homage and got like the old blues artist paid and got yeah. the recognition and stuff like that. You know, Keith, Keith uh, apparently wasn't doing enough for Chuck and Chuck was like ready to punch him in the mouth or something like that. And I read that uh, Keith was actually scared of Chuck <laughs> at that point, too. Chuck didn't fuck around. <laughs> Chuck Chuck Berry is one of the, one of those legends that I just I got very close to one time because he was doing one of those tours, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, and uh, they they had these guys, old legends, playing at like high schools and stuff in Jersey. It was hilarious, man. But he, if he showed up for anything, you were to pay him in cash. Then that's it. Wow, that, yeah, that, that's all there was to it. Yeah, I think that's what it was between him and Keith. Like he just like he wanted his payout. <laughs> exactly like because he had been burnt too many times where you know it was just like what are you going to do you know especially playing in the south and everything it was like well what are you going to oh, do man. now we ain't paying you go yeah 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 you can imagine driving hours back then not being able to stop at certain places you get to the gig and then you get all the way through it and then the promoter comes up to you afterwards and says what are you going to do about it black boy oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I <laughs> well yeah i mean that's that's why tour managers you know carried <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's that's why you have a tm that can handle some fucking business and make sure that you get paid you know that's, that's, why, got, that's why everybody who traveled with muddy waters had a gun hell yeah <laughs> yeah shout out to my dad my dad actually got to meet muddy waters one time at a denny's shook his hand and he said muddy's muddy waters his hand like engulfed his hand he was like if you want to know where that guitar tone came from boy that that was from those magical hands dude he had those fucking farm workers hands he could probably pick up a bale of hay and fucking chuck it at you like it wasn't shit oh yeah just that so one time I, I got to meet the man who met andy griffith oh nice there dude you. yeah running into some legends man that, that's that's fun stuff to talk about too i mean they definitely don't make them like that you know anymore too when it comes to these uh modern era musicians and stuff who like that the man who met andy griffith is who i met the man who met andy griffith from yeah. chris graves <laughs> or al bundy yes yes now um Moving on to uh, with uh, the big four, I wanted to move on to this topic. Um, let's talk about the Project Veritas stuff that's come out as a recent. Um, when you talk about not being able to confirm certain things, right? Like I, we have talked, I don't even know how, we've brought up Project Veritas, especially very early on in, in this, before we started having special guests and contributors. John Henry and I would, you know, we'd aggregate as much information that we thought was important and at the time, too, especially going on with uh, all, all the COVID stuff, especially with mandates being put in place or maybe mandates that weren't so much mandates. Uh, Lisa could probably elaborate on that in a second. But anyway, um, you know, it seemed to us that Project Veritas was one of the very few outlets out there that was willing to challenge the establishment. So uh, we featured them a lot. But just recently, an investigative reporter by the name of George Webb sort of challenged Project Veritas a little bit in their latest expose if you want to call it that um and this is uh from his Substack. it says project veritas is uh jordan walker or J project veritas jordan walker papers lead directly to klaus schwab's world economic forum 
Now it says Jordan Walker's Boston Consulting Group. Guys, why all this stuff coming out of Boston? Uh, paper leads directly no to comment. yeah to WEF and BCG partnership. Now, what is that? Well, we're going to take a look. So it says the Boston Consulting Group paper, Project Veritas, recently published, given to Project Veritas by journalist George Webb, directly to CEO James O'Keefe in front of 5,000 Twitter space witnesses, has garnered 2.4 million views in less than 24 hours. No attribution or acknowledgement was given by Project Veritas. Now it says Boston Consulting Group, uh, or is Project Veritas missing the bigger part of the Jordan Walker story? How about the connection of Boston Consulting Group to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum's Directed Evolution Initiative? And that's the topic that sort of popped up recently. Everybody's talking about, oh, is this gain of function? And now we're talking about directed evolution. Two terms that they can throw out there, and we've talked about it here on the show plenty of times. Words matter. Where do they come from? What does that mean? Are they using this to try and you know get out of any type of guilt? But that's- directed energy weapons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, it says, in future posts, I will explain how, uh, this is George speaking, I will explain how I believe Boston Consulting is repackaged, the directed evolution solution set developed by Harvard, Wuhan chair, Dr. Michael Callahan, since 2009. Wow, that goes way back, huh? Just like we've been talking about here on the show. As the new solution set for the biopharma sector, with Pfizer being the first customer in its Pearl River lab in New York. That says, three days ago, a Twitter Spaces audience of 11,000 people witnessed my offer to give Project Veritas the Jordan Walker Boston Consulting Group paper that tied Walker's BSG team to institutionalize remdesivir. And that's the biggest thing that you'll notice out of this paper. Now, that paper I have attached to this week's source list. It's entitled, uh, The Near-Term Outlook for COVID-19 Therapeutic Treatments. Now, if you scroll down here, um, it will talk about uh, remdesivir being one of the very uh, few possible treatments early on, because this is dated, if you look at the date, May 8th of 2020. So super early on in the pandemic, folks. Um, and it talks about, yeah, and it talks about repurposing existing drugs. Oh, what could those have been? Well, it actually goes on to say. <laughs> um, so it says there's uh, therapeutic tra- uh, strategies you know, using antivirals and immune-based uh, therapy and other antivirals. But um, now it says here, this is the article, this is the part. Four existing medications aimed at blocking viral replication. Now remember, this is back in May of 2020. Four existing medications aimed at blocking viral replication are under investigation as potential, potential COVID-19 treatments. Chloroquine or N-hydroxychloroquine. There's remdesivir, which we'll talk about in a second because that's, that's the smoking gun according to Webb as to why that was placed there. Latanavir or lipanavir and interferon beta. Now, some clinical data is already being made public about these drugs, and much more will become available in the coming months. It is likely that each drug will have differing efficacies for individual patient segments, depending on such factors as disease severity. And it goes on to list the clinical facts. Now, with that, though, um, let me switch back to the subsec article, because what ended up happening with the remdesivir? Was it successful? And why was it pushed so hard? Why were we not given hydroxychloroquine? Well, let's 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 talk well, about. Wasn't that. this, you know, excuse me, but wasn't this exactly the cocktail that they reported was uh, administered to President Trump at the time when he uh, allegedly yeah. had COVID, or or am I mistaken? 
Well, he was given a saline solution, right? Well, no, that was uh, that, that was with the shot. But no, um, when it came to his treatment, I believe, uh, Lisa, I'll switch back to the panel for this. Wasn't Dr. Zelenko um, part of Trump's treatment back when he had COVID during the debates and everything like that? I think it was Dr. Oh, no, Zelenko. No, no, that that is my him. understanding. No, no, no. When he was sent mm-hmm. to the military hospital, when he went to Walter Reed, mm-hmm. okay, and then he came out publicly. And he did the whole thing where he gets on the uh, the balcony at the White House and takes off his mask and goes back in. Mm. Uh, I recall that that's what was administered to him at Walter Reed. Dr. Zelenko is a whole that's, other story. But, I remember, uh, yes, publicly. He's he walking around that. like he's Superman. I remember publicly, that. he made that, that statement. Uh, but Dr. Zelenko, um, he's, the, he's the one who said that he was part of uh, helping uh, Donald Trump uh, with his protocol. Hmm. So yeah, we may have to look. I mean, into come that. on, we're talking about Donald Trump, who uh, goes to his rallies and bolsters and boasts about. Come on. Yeah, but somebody keep going, go, keep going. Somebody go ahead and take a look at the contemporaneous article because I'm pretty sure that that's exactly the cocktail that they said was administered to him. Now, about the Zelenko thing, I'm going to have his partner on uh, my show soon, and Jack Blood had him on not too long ago, the guy who wrote the book, uh, you know, regarding that. Uh, And, you know, all the profits from the book now go to the Zelenko Foundation and all this, and it's a very interesting story. But at the time, all I'm saying is I'm thinking that publicly that's exactly what they said was administered to him at Walter Reed is exactly that cocktail. All four of those things, I think, including the interferon. That's what he said. Yeah. Okay. No, I just, that that's all I wanted to point out is that that's what was publicly said. That's what he, that's exactly what he, yes, Trump publicly claimed that. Okay. Well, that, that that's all but the Zelenko story oh that's a that's a deep hole we you know so need need time for that one sorry yeah, yeah. and well i did find this just to maybe help out it says president trump's covid-19 treatment plan what was it exactly oh, let's see regeneron monoclonal antibody treatment that's definitely listed um i don't know if there's anything else oh yeah oh the, this is going to be a fun one Dexamethasone, which was a powerful steroid. Um, mm-hmm. And then remdesivir. Yep, there it is. Remdesivir is an antiviral drug. So they used the president to push this platform, folks. Yeah, remdesivir is an antiviral drug that is commonly taken alongside dexamethasone to aid in the inhibition of viral RNA pr- uh, production. Really? Right. Well, because in this, it says um, um, three days ago, Twitter Spaces, uh, this is George Webb speaking. A Twitter Spaces audience of 11,000 people witnessed my offer to give Project Veritas the Jordan Walker Boston Consulting Group paper that tied Walker's BSG, BSG team to institutionalize remdesivir in all U.S. hospitals after two failed drug trials. Later that evening, I repeated the offering of giving the key smoking gun to Walker BSG memo, linking the World Economic Forum to installing remdesivir as the standard of care in all U.S. hospitals. Wow, that's a hell of a connection. And 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 really, that uh, if you look at all the connections be behind and before, you know the the pandemic kind of makes sense as to why they'd have a hand in that. But 
Now, it says that two days later, an audience of 5,000 people on uh, Grant Cadone's uh, Twitter space witnessed me finally giving uh, through the gatekeeper to give this information to James O'Keefe directly live. Now, and this is uh, a link to, I think, that there. Yeah, our collaborations, BSG partners with the World Economic Forum. Learn more. And also, Lisa, you're going to like this, where George says, need I say more how this op is to protect DARPA, the WEF, and Remdesivir? Because who is behind <laughs> all the technology utilized during the pandemic? DARPA! As always. Yeah! As always. It was DARPA. You know, serve, serving... Um, the larger, greater good of the WEF and their great reset. I mean, that's their prop. They, what do they do? They make DARPA folks. They make technology shit for war or whatever, supposedly. Right. And then they bring it back and they privatize it. They commercialize it. COINTELPRO folks, you know, look at, look at John Brennan and all the little companies that he got to start. Well, how did he get privy to that information and that technology? Is he a fucking genius? No, he's connected. That's why. That's why he's a figurehead of that type of stuff. So now going on, it says, despite outlining all the Boston Consulting Group co-authors of Jordan Walker's May 8th, 2020, uh, 2020 white paper on remdesivir, Project Veritas chose to excise the BSG co-authors from the story. So this is kind of why I read about you know making those critical assumptions um, when you're reading information from people and they say, leave out information, you know, say by omission, that's a fucking lie. <laughs> lies by omission are lies. Why would you cover up the connections there, James? I'm just asking. Now it says Project Veritas chose to excise the BSC co-authors from the story and the incredibly strong partnership BSG had with the World Economic Forum in establishing lockdowns in the United States and abroad. And in the BSGWF initiative to reestablish remdesivir as a therapeutic for a whole class of pandemic viruses. Wow, geez. I wonder how much money could have been made there. And the fact that remdesivir, well, I'll switch back to the panel for this. John, John Henry, didn't remdesivir, wasn't that responsible for just killing a lot of fucking people? Yeah, oddly enough, that didn't work too good. Turned and the, out real bad. And if you had no effective treatments... You know, say before a vaccine was available, wouldn't that push said people into taking a vaccine if if the only other option of or medicating yourself was to die of liver damage from remdesivir? <laughs> In a logical world, one would think so. Yeah, I mean, this is the setup, folks. This is what well, we're, we're talking about. We're in the about. twilight zone now, so yeah, logic went out the door a while back. Like when we say well, I mean, every that, episode that shit connects fast forward to, <laughs> I mean, look at it now. Obviously Pfizer is now working on a, uh, an injection directly into the heart for things like strokes and heart attacks. It's so, did they oh, finally watch Pulp Fiction? They're like, Oh, that yeah, looks exactly. fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, with all the uh, project Veritas stuff, I mean, to me, the most telling thing was, you know, that, that they fully understand that this is all about the long play, right? That it's all about just generating revenue. So they're going to do whatever the fuck they do, whether it's, it's killing people, which they've never had an issue with that historically, allegedly. Um, <clears throat> you know, but when you look at it, it's no difference now that we've said this so many times on the show before, all we are is fucking commodities, man. Yeah. 
right? And and I'll, I'll, it's the same exact reference that I'm going to go back to with the matrix, which is that, you know, they, they absorb our energy, they absorb our money, and that's all we are. We're like batteries to them, not humans. There's no sanctity for human life, and that's crystal clear, um, crystal clear. But yeah, man, it's, um, you know, and, and we had the conversation on here when I had COVID and they wanted me to take Paxlovid. And, and my question was, well, why? And she said, well, because I can just give it to you and you don't have to take any type of blood test. I'm like, oh, so your recommend, and I clarified this. So your recommendation is to take Paxlovid based solely on the fact that in this conversation, you can just go ahead and give me a prescription for it. And she goes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Because it's easy. <laughs> I mean, matter of fact, it was just, <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, are you shitting me right now? Yeah, you can take like, something that was- gives you long-term side effects, maybe give you cancer, maybe your dick falls off. Who knows? But it's easy <laughs> to take. <laughs> it wasn't. She didn't. I, I mean, she didn't say, well, because we found that it's very effective. Nothing. It was just, no, yeah. No other reason. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. So I'm like, uh, no, thank you, but I appreciate that. Well, and there are no. I'm that you brought up like things that are sacred. There are no sacred cows whenever it comes to uh, information and alternative media for us folks. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to try and pull up a uh, Washington Post article about Project Veritas and how their funding has doubled since 2020, with them being the opposition, maybe controlled or not. Uh, they've nearly doubled in, in, in funding, it says, while amplifying, it says, baseless election fraud claims, because that's way the other back way, But way back when with the Koch brothers? Come on. Yeah. Any organization eventually will be compromised if they have some kind of platform that makes a difference. I mean, and that's, and that's, we're just speculating there, folks. I mean, we don't have any direct lines to uh, Project Veritas and what their motivations are behind these stories and the breaking of these things. And maybe why that they're not exposing certain bits of information and harping on others. But um, our friend George Webb goes on a little bit more. It says, it is clear from the Jordan Walker BSG paper that remdesivir is being positioned against hydroxychloroquine with the two other candidates. The latinavir-lipinavir alternative outline is actually misspelled ritonavir, and that drug is a component of Pfizer's Paxlovid, or Plax-Ovid. Wow. Therapeutic famously taken. No, I think it's Paxlovid. I think you misspelled that. Therapeutically uh, uh, famously taken three times by President Joe Biden. So the mission of the bossing, which does cause uh, you to get COVID again, the COVID rebound. That's a really weird fucking thing. But yeah, it's he a, got it. Uh, Biden got it like seven times, I believe, like in a row, didn't he? Yeah, but it's easy to take. <laughs> it's just a pill. <laughs> we don't have to inject it right in your heart. So they give Biden you that false so. dichotomy. You're like, okay, well, I'll just, guess I'll just take the pill then. My mistake. <laughs> Say, I, I, I hate to have to do this, but I'm going to get going. But before I do, yeah, no uh, problem. Real, real, real fast. The, the thing is this about any of these alt media sources that, you know, get position. Chris makes an interesting point. Yes, indeed. We don't necessarily know for sure. But you ever notice that the ones that grow nice and large, you can always find that there's things that they omit. There's things they choose to follow up on things they don't whether it's the Intercept or Project Veritas or what have you, none of them are ever going to be, uh, you know, the sacred cow that everybody's looking for, the, the totally clean source. It's never going to be that way. Yeah. 
it's just, it, it just is, you know, and, and this is something that we've had to learn the hard way over the past 25 years, uh, the way I see it. So, you know, it's not just the big corporate entities. Sometimes they've got funding and you don't see it outright. It's not always sponsored by Pfizer, but it might be sponsored by somebody who sponsors Pfizer. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you never can tell. And what can I say, man? There's very little truly independent media in existence. True. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Everyone check out Chuck O'Shelley on Tinfoil Hat. Oh, yeah. Just dropped yesterday. Yes. Go check that out and make sure to visit Ocelli.com. Uh, that's also where you'll find Get Mad with Chris Graves, um, the Jack Blood Show. You'll find many other great shows there, too. Um, and uh, you can find appearances by me on there occasionally, too. I hope to be back on soon, Chuck. But, um, yeah, we got we to gotta make that happen. <laughs> heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. No, we love it. And uh, in the description of today's uh, broadcast, you will find not only the link to Achelli.com, but also the donation links there too. Um, when we talk about there isn't a lot of alternative media out there that you can trust. Um, when you find you know places like Chuck's website, please help donate and support those those things to help keep them in moving. So that way, it, like just having a network and a community of people like Chuck and the people that work on his network, you know, to to bounce ideas off of. I mean, look at all that. I I, I mean, if if I've picked up this much just from this brief conversation today with Chuck, imagine the the good that a network like his can do long term. So keep that one perpetuating. Best, one of the best critical minds out there. Heck Love yeah, you, Chuck. yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, keep up the great work, brother, and and definitely go out and support everyone. So, but uh, yeah, if you got to drop off, brother, we get it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into uh, this article that uh, Lisa had brought up. Uh, because this uh, talks a little bit about Robert Malone, too, talking about no sacred cows. A lot of people have run to uh, characters like Robert Malone, too, because he seems to be against what's going on uh, with the pharmaceutical companies and the government and everything. But is he really? Um, you should question those things. Um, it says, Dr. Robert Malone is attacking Dr. McCullough and, and suing Dr. Bregan and Dr. Jane Ruby. This is from December 1st here uh, from Seymour Rocks. And it says, I had had wind all of all of this a few days ago from an email sent to me. It wasn't until today when I saw this. So, and it's pointing out this. Uh, this is from the United States District Court, the Western District of Virginia, Charlottesville Division of all places. Uh, Dr. Robert Malone is the plaintiff. And then versus Dr. Peter R. Bregan, MD, Ginger Ross Bregan, America Out Loud, and Dr. Jane Ruby. Um, now, what's this about? It says, I'm indeed being sued for $25 million by, this is a statement from Dr. Jane Ruby, says, I'm indeed being sued for $25 million by Dr. Robert Malone for defamation. These claims are baseless and will be proven baseless. If you wish to contribute to my legal defense fund for this frivolous lawsuit and wants an attack on free speech, here's the link. And there is a Give, Send, Goat link that you can donate to if you choose to. But it says, I'm not of the nature to attack anyone, and I have been very adverse uh, to the way in which people use terms like controlled opposition, just like we were talking about so loosely, it is upsetting to learn that Dr. Malone is suing the likes of Dr. Peter McCullough and now Dr. Jane Ruby. Seems to have an element of the rich and well-placed going after the less so. Uh, it says, I'm at a loss to find an explanation for all of this, but can't help wonder if it is to do with died suddenly. Wow, that's uh, it's a popular topic on Twitter and other places too. Revelations keep by this in mind also, keep mm -hmm. this in mind that Dr. Malone is the key figure that 
Project Veritas is using. Yes, and that, that's why this all ties in. Thank you very much, Lisa. Uh, it says the revelations by the embalmers. Wow. So the people that are looking at actually looking at the dead bodies and not just marking them off as COVID deaths on a chart. Yeah. It says the embalmers are now what is being revealed about what is inside the vials. And says this may take the attention away from the MRA and the vaccines and from Dr. Malone himself. Is that it? I don't I honestly don't know. It's up to you to decide. It's in the eye of the beholder. Now it says uh, here, Dr. Malone attacks and maligns leading freedom fighters. And this is by Dr. Peter Bregan, MD, and Ginger Bregan. It says Dr. McCullough is a dear friend and hero to us. I, freely I frequently describe him on the air as the most important, most courageous scientist in the health and freedom movement, even the entire worldwide medical community at this critical time in history. Now it says McCullough has endured significant hardships that less courageous and less ethical physicians and scientists have avoided. I know I just recently witnessed Dr. Scott Jensen, I think this past week, is also having his license threatened. Um, I made a post about that because uh, I, I was uh, brought, uh, uh, Jensen was brought to my attention by another content creator who goes by John E. Hoover or John Collin online, um, who does amazing videos. He's done stuff about the, the Johns Hopkins uh, COVID tracker, which he's he one of the, Premier researchers on the Vegas shooting. Yes, the that too. The helicopters involved in that massacre. Yep. Yeah, he actually liked my post, thanking him for his work and introducing me to Jensen. So uh, maybe we can get him on to talk to you, Graves, about I've the been, Vegas thing, man. That would be yeah. Awesome. I've been trying. Yeah, that would be fantastic if I can make that happen. Yeah, but his his shit with the Johns Hopkins COVID tracker numbers is was mind blowing to me about how off these numbers appeared to be. His, he's done numerous videos on that too. Uh, but he also did one about the uh, uh, flu and pneumonia numbers um, and how those numbers uh, coincide with the death numbers that were being recorded for COVID. He did a video called where he used um, uh, Stephen Wright's uh, bit, uh, the, the famous stand-up comedian, which I believe he was also out of Boston too, Quinky Ding, I don't know. But um, yes, he is. Yeah. No, he is. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's also. Uh, <laughs> he was also in Reservoir Dogs as the DJ. Nice, nice. Yes, I was just talking to a friend about Reservoir Dogs that had never seen it the other day. I was trying to describe it to them. It's it's a crazy film to try and you know describe to somebody who's never really seen it. But um, yeah, ear cutting, ear cutting. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, de yeah, definitely the ear cutting scene. Yeah, because I think that's how we got onto it. We were listening to a Steelers Wheel. Uh, the stuck in the middle with you song. Stuck in the middle with you and ear cutting. Folks. Yeah, I was like, if you ever want to see one of the most disturbing scenes in all of movies, it's actually to this song. Sounds kind of happy, but it really isn't in the movie. <laughs> but uh, so Michael, uh, Michael, what's his face? He was pretty happy during it. Yes, my yeah, yes, he was Michael Madsen. Yeah, but yeah, um, Virginia's brother. Yep. Oh yeah. But um, then with um, no, with the Stephen Wright thing, uh, he used the comparison of the. Uh, and pneumonia numbers with the COVID numbers with the Stephen Wright bit about socks, about how Stephen Wright wore two different colored socks and somebody mentioned that to him and he's like, I don't go by color, I go by thickness. <laughs> Which, you know, in that dry well, delivery that he does is very good. Yeah, very dry. Yes. Very funny. But the, the article that we're reading here says um, that eventually uh, from alone to add to Dr. McCullough's burdens or even to distract him in any way is a tragic betrayal of a man who initially welcomed into the movement. Uh, we do not know uh, Harvey Reich, MD, PhD, as well as Dr. McCullough, but I have had uh, the honor to formally interview Dr. Reich and talk with him privately. 
It says he shares with Dr. McCall a genuineness, a genuineness, yes, and a gentleness that is uncommon in very successful physicians and academics. And like nearly everyone in the health freedom movement, we have followed his amazingly insightful and accurate analysis of COVID-19. Dr. Reich is one of the most uh, dignified, honorable, brave, and effective physicians and scientists that most of us have ever known. And like Dr. McCullough, he is an outstanding worldwide health freedom movement leader and an individual who cordially tries to avoid professional conflicts. Now, when it goes on to talk about Malone's excuse for attacking uh, doctors McCullough and Reich, it said Malone generally attacks people from what he sees as in, in professional competition with him or have criticized him especially about his concept of mass psychosis. So here we go, folks, because we've talked about mass formation psychosis before. And it's claimed too, uh, and, and I think when I was listening to George Webb Spaces, that he believes that Malone was actually part of starting the initial mass psychosis himself. So therefore, coming out and leaking that term and popularizing it, limited hangout maybe? Or is, is it the thriller scene where they have to look back at, at you to let you know that the monster's still within him, that, that the monster's still out there and alive, that the bad guy got away with it scot-free? You just spoiled the end of that music video, sir. Sorry about that. But, yeah, but, <laughs> but it says, along with many others, we have, we have been concerned that his personally invented diagnosis of mass psychosis will be weaponized and used to psychiatrically attack those who reject the establishment narrative about its intentions. We're do you remember, do you remember, was it on one of the interviews, do you remember me talking about how there was an interview uh, where Dr. Peter McCullough was with Dr. Malone being interviewed, Dr. and Dr. Malone was speaking, and that I noted that the, like this, this look on Dr. Peter McCullough's face, like, I want to get out of here right now. He's like, he's like sweating at the things that Dr. Malone is saying. Do you remember that? I don't remember that particular interview, but this might, I mean, this might explain it though. Like why somebody's demeanor like that around a person can change. And like, if you know that somebody's full of shit and you kind of have to bite your tongue, maybe, you know, to be respectful because I mean, and in the field of science and stuff like that, like there should be rigorous debate, right? Like you should be able to get together on shows like this and, maybe you know say your piece and then have another person say something contrary to that and maybe it will affect like your your opinions on these things like dr mccall is not infallible like i remember him and john henry you can attest to this you could probably remember him going on joe rogan's show and saying outright that you can't get COVID twice and then joe rogan famously saying oh yes you can i have plenty of friends that did and now months and months yeah, later everybody's had it multiple times yeah he's very adamant yeah. and he talked about in science like how you know, when you say things that are definite like that, there's a specific term for it, inferred, you know, that they make inferences in science, you know, so when you, when you have a conclusion that you've reached based on the evidence presented, um, that you, you, you have to eventually make a decision and run with something, you know, like you can't just stand there and be like, well, it's, it's still, you know, it's still unknown, you know, what, what course of action really works, but every, every sign that we have points to this, because if not, then people weren't be, wouldn't be given off-label medication and other things. There wouldn't have been um, all of the you know different uh, things that we've tried. You know, people taking ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and combinations of other things. Like none of that ever would have really happened if people didn't infer some sort of you know truth about how those things worked. So I mean, I get that, but it, it's it's one thing too about your credibility when you seem so definite about things. When you come out and you exclaim something. 
and then it turns out to not be true, you have to go back and have some some humility afterwards and say, hey, listen, guys, you know, due to everything that you know that I was being shown, that wasn't right. And we've talked about that when it comes to like what kind of um, you know what kind of penalties or consequences should be placed upon people out there, just even in the media sphere, like people like Scott Adams and others, you know, and Ben Shapiro, people that convinced others to go and take these shots, to go along with whatever the establishment was presenting them. Like what type of, what type of, what type of consequences should befall them? What really depends on their apology. You know, like if they're unapologetic or if they double down or if they're just like, oh, I'm never wrong. And just like they continue on with some other type of bullshit or trying to explain. But, even, but it goes to the fact because they're paid influencers. Mm-hmm. They, they know that they're, they're being paid essentially, though, to uh, may you know to have influence, right? Well, and that's I mean, a DARPA tactic. They're saying these things why? Because they're making money on it. Well, yeah, and that's a DARPA. That's a military tactic. I mean, they did that in Afghanistan when the Afghanistan papers came out uh, from the Washington Post many years ago. Um, and it's a no big fanfare because there was other scandals going on at the time, of course. But when the when the Afghanistan papers came out and it, it was found that we were paying influencers. In Afghanistan, like we would pay these mullahs all the all of this money, and we would pay other people, you know, as influencers too, and they would have no uh, real use for that money. Said, so give it to the mullahs. So we, we would we would do this in m- multiple countries, right? And Graves, you could probably you know chime in here too with like all the different operations around the world that we paid for influence in those cultures, you know, to powerful yeah. people. You know, they were all well, on they, the payroll. They- well, they even had Rumsfeld had a uh, propaganda office opened up in uh, the Pentagon right after 9-11. And their whole cover was that it was to uh, influence uh, people overseas for, uh, you know, the war drums and all that. And uh, most likely domestically as well. And then he had to close up shop, at least officially and publicly, in uh, March of 2002. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it happens all the time. Well, and you look at, I mean, just like I described with what uh, DARPA does and how they develop this stuff overseas and using it on battlefields. And because they, they can always think of a reason, oh, because of security and this and that. And we got this terrorist guy over here that maybe we invented completely from whole cloth, which we're going to talk about in May, right, Grace? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're and even deep fakes now, <laughs> uh-huh. and even deep fakes now too. And where, where, where was that technology originally developed and, and used? You know, yeah. And I, I also I have some feelings on uh, you know some of these shooting sprees where you know uh, the people tend to look like ghosts almost on paper when you try to find a, you know a backstory for them. Could they be deep fakes too? I'm just I'm not saying they are, but I'm. Floating the idea because you know it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. Oh yeah, using plants, using people that aren't actual real people. I mean, that's espionage stuff, right? I mean, how many how many spies were found inside the United States that were Russian, you know, spies? You know, during the yeah. Cold War. Yeah, not only just that, but uh, throughout our history, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and to think Cold that the, the American intelligence agencies or the other Five Eyes or France or any of those others that were all involved in in in, in the COVID pandemic plot before it was this even was hatched. A worldwide op. You got to remember that too. Yes, 
Yes, that in, in the presence of a worldwide op like this, you're going to need players. You're going to need players like Dr. Malone to propagate certain things. So it should also make people think, hey, things like the Cold War, were they so uh, legitimate in the end? I mean, if the world can team up to uh, clamp down and on their own populations, like in agreement, mm-hmm. are all these other wars, you know, just bullshit, you know? Well, and and when we talk about, you know, controlled opposition, it says right here in the article before we move on, it says, we are also concerned that Malone's rejection of research confirming well-established conspiracies among the wealthiest and most powerful elite and institutions will prevent victims of oppression from identifying and dealing with their oppressors. Yes. Yeah. Like ultimately hiding who's truly responsible. So going back to the, the article from George Webb, that's what he talks about here. If Project Veritas is pointing out that Pfizer is up to no good, I mean, that's generally a good thing, right? But if you're not giving people the whole story as to where Pfizer got this tech from, whom they dealt with, and why they were able to deliver such things like remdesivir and the shots to you and and, and was, was Pfizer the sacrificial lamb too? Because no one brings up AstraZeneca or any of the other ones anymore. It was just Pfizer. You know what I mean? Pfizer's the name that you know. So that's yeah. that's the one to attack. You know, like you, you go after it's it's one head of the Hydra, but it's not the whole Hydra, right? Like it's just that you Hail can, Hydra. Yeah, Hail Hydra. Yeah, you can you can you can cut off that that end, but it's just it's gonna grow another one. You just fill the power vacuum. It's just it's killing off Ben Laden. It's killing off whomever, right? It's 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 taking the it's removing the dictator from the country. That doesn't solve the issue. That doesn't that doesn't put the people truly responsible for what happened in those countries at, you know, on trial or anything. And and then the truth as to why we we've ended up there and and the truth as to why we did all the things that we did is never found out. It just dies with that with that sacrificial lamb, right? Just like you brought up, Grace. It just it it, it yeah, the I truth mean, dies with that, that person. That event 201 thing also had a sacrificial type lamb character, like a Fauci almost, right? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, he takes the fall in the end, you know, so everyone else can just move on, you know? Yeah. And and Webb says that uh, he believes that this is to reintroduce the twice failed remdesivir while clearing uh, positioning for remdesivir against hydroxychloroquine. He says the Pfizer drug is misspelled and not quoted by its more popular known name as Plexovid spells again but it says project veritas has chosen to present just a sliver of the boston consulting group paper smoking gun leading directly to klaus schwab and the world economic forum partnership with bsg and the resurrection of remdesivir as a viable COVID 19 therapeutic instead project veritas has chosen to focus only on jordan walker alone making him out to be the sort of lee harvey oswald too bad we don't have a check here to comment on that patsy it says even to hide the BSG WEF Remdesivir initiative. And instead they're putting like LED billboards outside of Pfizer. Now that, that gets some clicks, right? You get to see a, a, a prank like this. And speaking of pranksters, we were just uh, talking about this the other night. Speaking of pranks, doesn't that remind you of tactics like somebody like uh, a Roger Stone would take? You know? <laughs> you know, we were having these political tricksters like James yeah. O'Keefe dressed up as pimps going into offices for Planned Parenthood, <laughs> you know, and we got, you know, we have people being set up on dates and stuff like that. 
um, you know, whether they're gay or straight or whatever, and and telling all the juicy details. They personalize. Even you have like characters back in the day, like E. Howard Hunt, like uh, utilizing CIA disguises and stuff to set people up too. Yeah, and Chappaquiddick and stuff. Whole New York Times article about it back in the day. Yeah, I mean that's uh, oh, and and Lisa, I think did you dig these up the the Ethel and Julius Rosenberg trials of when I mentioned the Russian spies and everything like that? Hell yeah, yeah, I'm bookmarking those too. I mean, convicted on hearsay, basically. Yeah. Wow. Convicted on hearsay. Well, and that's and that's kind of like the point here before we wrap things up with this segment is just that with Project Veritas, yes, I mean, it seems like they're doing hardcore investigative journalism. They're exposing, you know, the, the evils that are being done by these, you know, these big corporations and other things like that. But I, I think that they, they lose a bit of effectivity whenever they personalize things. By personalizing it, making it this one person saying this one thing, like even in the recent video, when the guy is caught, when he, whenever he's cornered in the pizza shop now, you know, by O'Keefe, and then he freaks out and uh, starts smashing the, the iPad and they lock O'Keefe inside the thing. A lot of people were saying that that looked fake. A lot of people saying that that, that all looked contrived, like the way it was set up and everything, that it just doesn't, it didn't make sense to them. But for me, it's just like, aside from all that and all that speculation, like when you personalize it and it's just some guy on a date saying what he believes that his company is doing, which he recanted as soon as that those things were brought to his attention. Like he, he immediately retracted everything that he said. Now you don't really have anything. Like you just have your feelings about what this guy said personally. That's all you have. There's no smoking guns. You know, there's nothing to really nail Pfizer. And in fact, Pfizer's already, you know, out, you know, backpedaling a little bit and putting out statements and other things about what, what terms apply like, and what terms even, don't. Didn't they even talk to it the other day? Well, and sort of, yeah, tacitly, they admitted that, um, you know, in, in having to deal with the new variants, that they have to fuck with the virus to make sure that it, it will, it will, that the stuff that they're making will be effective on, on, on new suspected variants that are out there. It wasn't even any new information for cripe's sakes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's something where nothing was really exposed here that much, except for more people seeing uh, the name Pfizer and having something negative uh, along with it. Like, But it goes to, to what George Webb has been trying to say, though, too. Hmm. Um, the mere fact that, they're, that uh, Project Veritas is focusing solely on Pfizer. So helping to tank Pfizer when you've got Moderna and J and J and whatever, it's the, the the agenda behind why they're focusing on Project Veritas. I mean, on uh, Pfizer only. Yeah, because they're so, like the sacrificial lamb for this. So the other ones like AstraZeneca, mm -hmm. uh, Moderna, and also uh, Johnson and Johnson, which people don't look closer, but the Moderna is directly uh, related to DARPA. Like absolutely, I was just going to say that's the connection, man. Because that's yeah. the, that's the connection that you can't really let out into the public as much. Um, Not because, so much Pfizer, even though I think they have their ties too. But Moderna mm -hmm. is directly related. To yeah, them. and yeah. and uh, the U.S. government has a stake in it. <laughs> like they have they have they have yeah. something to gain from Moderna being uh, popularized because they had never that they it's been invested in right, 
but Moderna up until recently never put out a product. I heard that too. Yeah. They never successfully put out anything that was worth anything. None of their shit never got past trials. That's why, you know, the, the, the fucking, the, the, the monkeys got cancer. <laughs> like yeah. uh, the rats or whatever right. that they use, it got cancer. Like nothing. It's almost like Moderna was just another arm of the uh, DARPA's, you know, research and development wing. Yes, know? yes, and 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 then Pfizer was able to because of you know being an insider, right? The 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 revolving door that was talked about in that video, the Project Veritas video. The guy at dinner said, you know, there's a revolving door between the government and Pfizer. Well, that's a hundred percent true. Like it's not like the things that the guy said that they caught him saying were like as untrue. if we didn't know that already. Well, maybe we did, but you know, there's still some normies out there floating around that are still using Facebook uncritically. You know, uh, that are just like, oh man, look at this thing. Like everything that I thought about Pfizer is not true. They're not the good guys. You know, there's still people like that, and like we take it for granted so much in this community because we're so deep into these subjects and we have great researchers like you and Chris and. You know, we, we have great commentary and other things, you know, from so many of our other friends that we get to listen to to break down this stuff for us. We've been on it. We're, we're, we're months, if not years ahead of schedule whenever it comes to the rest of the, the earth being into that level of realization that maybe we've reached. So we, we can't take that for granted um, at any point. Um, I think that's important. I mean, that's why it's also important for us to explain things to the uninitiated here on the show. You know, to not assume that people just know that that kind of stuff and everything. I like when we explain things a little bit because I think that even when explaining them ourselves, it helps us learn and understand them a bit more too. But it would have been more helpful though if he appeared more sober. I'm just saying that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you, you get a, a, a guy drunk and you know maybe he's trying to get laid, and and like anybody could say you know in that position that maybe they would uh, blow some things out of proportion too. No pun intended. Um, but you know, with that, that type of, that type of, so yeah, that type of social engagement is not the best place to gather hardcore journalistic evidence. And, and again, like when this, when this presents stuff to the public and it starts to form those and the public starts to form those cracks in the facade, they start to see that things aren't what they were, you know, presented to be to them. I ultimately think that's a good thing. But the bad thing is, is that when they start, when the public starts to take action or choose sides, that they don't know the full story, and then they run. They run to the wrong people. They run to the uh, the controlled opposition. Going on. Well, yeah. Again, they'll run to the controlled opposition. They'll 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 vote for the QAnon candidate. You know, they'll put Marjorie Taylor Greene in as uh, vice president. You know, they'll 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 make Matt Gates. You know, the or most popular uh, member yeah, of the have, House of Representatives. You know, they'll when, have dupes like me uh, campaigning for uh, John Kerry back in two thousand four. Well, yeah, because you you were doing what you thought was right based on the yeah, information that you had gathered and all that, and they were all the same thing. I found well, out, after. and you weren't wrong with the Bush's the Hitler thing. thing. I mean, you weren't wrong at all, you know. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like somebody telling you that early on and saying, "Hey, you know, the the Bushes, you know, helped fund the Nazis, and they're they're fucking scumbags, and they they helped launch Richard Nixon's career too, and all this other stuff." Oh, and everybody. you're like, "Yeah, I fuck mean, them. I don't want to." The Patriot Act at the time, and everyone, you know, was like, "Oh my God, this is like Gestapo stuff." It really was Nazi, like. Yeah, but that's the problem with keeping don't... score, like our friend Vince Agnoli would say. Like that's the problem with it. It's just like when you when you think of it as in two teams that you have to like cheer for, when the one team has been presented to you as fucking you know uh, Hitler endorsing Nazis, 
and 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 slaves to the the banking cartel, and then you have any other thing pres- presented well, against that. Clinton and them on the other side with their body count and all their uh, white yeah. water and all sort of crap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't see how people people don't see it as being a one party system. I don't know. I mean, this is. Uh, I guess that's the solution that we need to be looking for: is how do we um, get more people to understand uh, that this is really about the government bureaucracy against we the people? And how do you how do you get rid of that divisiveness? It's the, the illusion of choice: Coke and Pepsi, red and blue. Yeah. Well, I think we'll be able to talk more about that too. Um, maybe when we do our taping with the, the guys from Knights of the Storm, hopefully we can uh, make that happen this upcoming weekend and uh, get that in the can and release sometime soon where we all gather and talk about solutions um, in the DIY media. I would love that, you know, that conversation. So we propose that to them. They like the idea. So hopefully we can make it happen. So be on the look for that and shout outs to our, our friends in Knights of the Storm too. Um, now also be on the look for uh, an appearance of, Chris Graves and myself on uh, Angry Tiger from Knights of the Storm's new uh, show, Tiger's Den. Uh, we did a dissection of Alex Jones that will be coming out soon. So be on the look for that as well. And Lisa, I'm going to archive this and uh, bookmark it for this week's source list to uh, all these different articles. And Graves, I think you sent some too. So uh, whomever sent these, I'll, I'll be sure to archive them now. But um, let's uh, do move on to the next of the big four here in a moment, if we can. Click through the rest of these. Yes. And do, do, do. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a rough one. Hidden tragedy. This one says, folks, the, the hidden tragedy of the CIA's experiments on children. Man. Yeah, when we talk about, you know, exposing the real bad guys, <laughs> why, well, why it never comes Fauci. out who is responsible for these things. Remember, Fauci uh, had no qualms about experimenting on dogs and adopted children remember nope none at all not at all and maybe even the gay community too when it came to um yeah if you want to go all the way back yeah yeah exactly absolutely so now let's uh let's talk about this guys let's talk about what um i believe is the ultimate goal where we just talked about connections with the world economic forum when you look at something as a a political or propaganda platform. Um, global warming right now is the most ubiquitous thing that you can find across the board, right? Every company, every TV station, um, every product that you buy. Uh, I, was, I was standing in line at a UPS store the other day and saw some guy holding a box that says, we're going to offset all of the carbon from this shipping. Like they're, they're putting little, little things like that. And I immediately asked myself, how? How does one do that? How does one Kill offset the population? Carbon? Yeah. How does it basically? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at it that way, yes, yes, certainly, uh, because there's no other way to do it. They're they're not they're not doing anything to really uh, off offset it. They 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 just they buy Chuck E. Cheese tokens. They buy carbon credits from Al Gore. You know that that's how these people are, are rigging this stuff. It's a racket to me. Um, and they're using junk it science. Do anything, it doesn't do anything for the environment except it allows powerful corporations to basically pay in advance to pol- to pollute the environment. Yeah. And this is uh, from Daily Mail. This is from this past week. says, the shaming in- images that show where our iPhones, laptops, and Tesla cars really come from. 
says the truth about Congolese mines where kids are paid $2 a day to dig for cobalt. Now, I've brought this up on the show before, but I wanted to just show this. It says these are the images from the Shabera mine and others in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, if you read up on the Democratic Republic of Congo, I'm pretty sure you're going to find, um, depending on how good the history is that you're reading, um, lots of fuckery there from our intelligence agencies and others from Europe, definitely. You know, the instability in these countries is what's utilized against them and also to position them to uh, take stupid fucking loans from uh, uh, institutions like the IMF as well, right? That, that their natural resources and everything, their currency is all robbed from them for generations. Hey, let me touch on something real fast. Yeah. Then, okay. So um, as we go through this, I've recommended this before. Uh, please go listen to the Joe Rogan with Sid Harthkara. Sid Harthkara. Uh, let me see. Yeah, this, that is what the entire episode is about, about the uh, child labor in the cobalt mines. Um, it's, it will change your perspective on everything all the way down to your cell phones, um, laptops, all electronics. So uh, that was probably one of the most important episodes I think Rogan's ever done. Wow. So I really like to go watch it, share it, have other people share it, watch it. Um, yep, that's exactly right. It's this right here, folks. It's the entire topic. Cobalt Red is his book. Now it says they dig for cobalt, as in the children, the chemical element that, he, that is used in almost every tech product, including mobile phones on the market today. And then Apple, Tesla, Samsung, and Microsoft are the other end of the complex supply chain. Now, as we scroll down he here. He goes way oh. into that portion of it. You know, when Rogan asks him, how are they not aware of that? This is actually from Siddharth Karo. Yeah. That picture right there. Look at these fucking pictures, folks. So he was able to get in there and see these mines in, in person. And he talks oh about God. the danger with the chemicals. And what they also do is they hand dig tunnels um, to go in and pull the cobalt out. And he said that constantly their tunnel collapses and everybody dies. Hey, see if you can spot the OSHA guy, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Where's he uh, at? Where's he at in the photo? Is he standing he's in the, the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking unbelievable, man. Holding That's a baby. Like, oh my God. And then that, that you don't want that cobalt shit in your eyes. You don't want to breathe it in. You don't want to be covered in it. it. It, what it does to your skin too. Like to put a baby that's sensitive to stuff like that in general, to put a mother in a, an environment like that, where she's going to absorb that shit and it's going to come through her breast milk into that child, you know, kind of like the MRNA does. But you know, uh, I mean, just going, this is a fucking kid. This is a kid carrying that stuff. Saving the planet. Like when you're, if you're sitting in a, a college um, class right now and you have professors out there telling you that you know, you're the most special snowflake on earth and you were put on this earth in order to save the planet from global warming. This is the kind of shit I want you to imagine while they're saying that bullshit to you. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, Tesla cars too, man. Oh yeah. And good luck if that thing catches oh. on fire. <laughs> It'll oh. burn into the asphalt. It happened well, to a friend Europe, of mine. <laughs> uh, Europe, they will not allow, um, they're starting to ban EVs from going on, um, God, my brain's not working right now, uh, on ferries, on ferry boats because oh. of them spontaneously combusting. Oh yeah, you can imagine like a whole bunch of those batteries on a train, 
like catching on fire. Like what that could do to a community. Like what what would that do to the air quality too? Like can you imagine breathing that shit in? What what could possibly, you know, could possibly be wrong there? Okay, I want to know Elon's response now about the child labor. Okay, because now his hands are dirty, aren't they? Well, here, here they always have a fall guy. And that fall guy with that, that shit, and the way it works in libertarian circles even too, is just like, oh, they just blame China. Well, that's, that's, just, that's just how China is. China's a developing country, and they don't have good jobs like this. So when we bring jobs to them, people are happy because you know they get uh, dragged out of abject poverty and starvation. They're happy with their suicide nets. Yeah, they're happy with their suicide nets. Yeah. Because it says right here, this this is how this scheme works, folks. It says refined cobalt is uh, bought by companies, including Apple, Tesla, Samsung, and Microsoft, and using phones, laptops, and electric vehicles. Number two, the materials are refined or smelted by Chinese companies and then sold to Western tech companies, who all got those opportunities thanks to evil motherfuckers like Henry Kissinger and uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski of the Trilateral Commission, Setting all this shit up in the 70s, right? <laughs> now, also, cobalt is mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and it's sold to intermediaries, who then sell it on to foreign buyers. So, the difficulty for him to even be able to get access to these mines, um, like, he could have been killed at any time. It's extraordinarily dangerous. That's why I recommend everybody needs to listen to that podcast. Yeah. Everybody. And, you know, hopefully it's something that makes us all a little bit more conscious to what, what's happening. Because um, it's all of the lithium batteries, all oh, of them and, and everything. And every people cell, in everything. Australia and people in Cuba, like look at all the other places where you can get this stuff from and look at where there's been major conflicts or upheaval. <laughs> I got one for you. Right at the beginning of the war on terror, it was found there was a whole vein of lithium worth a trillion dollars. Wow. Yeah, if you want if you want the motivations for wars, if you want the motivations for the propaganda that leads us to wars, it's usually because of stuff like this, folks. It's so big ass companies and the their connections with government have it in their mind that they could corner a certain market, right? Cuz it's hard to acquire these sort of things if you don't have a lot of them in your country. So you need to go to other countries for them and keep other countries down. Keep them destabilized. Wasn't there shit going on in the Philippines recently? Oh, aren't we having a proxy war with Russia? <laughs> Hasn't Canada and Australia lost their goddamn minds over COVID? You know, <laughs> How, what can you do to destabilize their economies? What can you do to drive them in or force them into uh, mining this sort, of, this sort of stuff? And this is the result of it. Look at that water. What, what do they drink? What do they eat where they're on these sites? What kind of conditions do they have to show up and, and, and live in every single day for you to save the earth with your purchase? That's another fallacy, too. That you're going to save something by buying a product from these people that you don't know where it comes from, how it's made, or why it's made. And now we're going we're gonna to make this part of our fleet. We're going to make this permanent. You know, you're going you're gonna to force people into buying these things or not being able to even afford them and have to uh, you know, switch on to ride-sharing types of technologies, right? That's the whole 5G rollout possibility, isn't it? You know, where they, they, the reason why they're putting a 5G network is, it's not because it's going to make your phone any faster. No, it's going to make the, automated, the autonomous vehicles work a little bit more efficiently. 
that you might not have access to unless you're on the good guy list. You know, just like you get your tweets shared over Twitter if you're on the good guy list. So, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up for folks can, so they can see that kind of stuff. I, I think that these, uh, these types of images and these types of stories get glossed over way too much and replaced by, you know, uh, the idiots throwing paint on, on, you know, uh, on priceless works of art and, you know, super gluing themselves to the floor. The reason that those people are in that position, the reason why that they, they feel that way is that they've been propagandized and not shown things like this. They need to see where this shit comes from. And it says, uh, this one in quotes, this is nice. This is blood diamonds multiplied by a thousand. <laughs> diamonds aren't toxic. And when you buy a diamond once, maybe twice in your life, whereas Western society can't function for more than 24 hours without devices that rely on cobalt. That's from Siddharth Kara, author of Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. So just like John Henry had mentioned, very important. Thank you, John Henry, for adding that. But um, And then uh, finally for this week, let's talk about this. Uh, the reason why so, so many people um, believe that they're, they're saving the earth and everything like that is also because of propaganda from people like Bill Gates, who want to stop cows now from burping. That's his latest investment. It's this. Bill Gates is invested in Australian. Didn't we just talk about Australia having that cobalt there? Hmm. Wonder what their stake is in the global warming and how how fucking crazy they are about that stuff over there. Why are they so, so nuts AOC about global warming? Wants to wants to stop them from the back end. Well, uh, Bill Gates wants to stop them from from the front end. Well, that Boy, is her specialty. Gonna <laughs> explode, man! Right? Gonna plug them from all orifices. Yeah. Well, that's definitely her specialty. Again, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they call that airtight, right, Grace? No, but says. Bill Gates invests in Australia-based rumen aid to reduce livestock emissions. It says, if you didn't think that solving how to stop cows from burping is a million-dollar idea, well, Bill Gates apparently does. The Microsoft co-founder and billionaire has reportedly backed an Australian-based startup looking to stop cows from burping methane emissions, pouring funds into research around livestock food supplements. Now, according to a press release, Gates's firm Breakthrough Energy Ventures, or BEV, with participation from Harvest Road Group, raised 11, oh, I'm sorry, $12 million for Rumen 8, a climate technology company. So all these tech comp all these startups get to make money off of bullshit. Now, Rumen 8 studies solutions to reducing livestock emissions, and their latest initiative identifies anti-methanogenic properties that can be produced efficiently and for a low cost to eventually feed to livestock. Well, if you're changing what livestock eats, doesn't that have an effect? Like we, we had a good conversation with uh, our friend Carol from Apothecary the other day. Definitely go check out that interview. But we talked about that. Like what are the long-term effects of change? Like there's definitely long-term effects for changing the human diet, right? Like when I, when I change my diet to be more on a a scale of like an anti-inflation type of diet or something like that, you start to notice the effects, right, Lisa? So what is the long-term effect of feeding livestock this? Will we? Will they even test it? Or will they just roll it right out, folks? You know, what What? what possible harm could that do of changing uh, the genetic makeup of our livestock, for instance, which can be done, you know, over generations with how they're fed? Well, I mean, the fact that they even can, like, are 
comparing this to almost like cars is just like beyond comprehension. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Well, and and this this should point to something to you too. Of course, they don't use the actual bromoform that supposedly cr- uh, prohibits the creation of methane. Oh no, they need a synthetically replicated form, just like they needed a synthetically replicated form of the spike protein, right? <laughs> in the mRNA vaccines, you couldn't have any naturally derived shit in that. Boy, no, you you need to create it in a lab. It needs to be synthetically cr- created. And why is that? Oh, because you can put a patent stamp on it, right? <laughs> you just be like, oh, that's ours. So now we got to pay us. It's all about money. It's all about money and greed and fuckers like this who are puppets, I would argue. And I think Graves, you're on that train too. The people like this are puppets for something greater. They you know, are. They're our front men. Zuckerberg, him, Elon, Trump, Jones. Yep. Says Ruminate's latest round of investments aims to build brand development and move the supplement towards commercialization. That's what it's all about, folks. Moving it towards com- being commercially, forcing it into the market, racketeering, making people, making people, forcing people to buy this bullshit to feed the cows so they don't burp. Who's be you know? They're behind the synthetically replicated uh, solution. Well, they thought of the problem. They're fomenting the reaction. And they have the solution. Hegelian dialectic, folks. That's how it works. Now it says the demand for sustainable protein has never been more apparent. Oh, of course. Which is why Bev is keenly interested in reducing methane emissions from beef and dairy. Bev founder and managing partner Carmichael Roberts said in a statement, Rumen 8 offers a low-cost scalable toolbox. Fuck you and your toolbox. That is already proven to be effective in reducing emissions. How so? They don't say our team will support ruminate and working closely with farmers to expand the reach of this solution globally. That's what it's about. Bringing it around the globe. Now it says Gates has previously made public comments arguing that the world's wealthiest countries should ditch beef for plant-based alternatives to fight global climate change. Even though he's a fucking hypocrite and loves hamburgers. You can tell by his fat tits in his book titled how to avoid a climate disaster. Gates details the measures needed to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions. The billionaire software developer, which doesn't know shit about the environment or health, and philanthropist, sort of, uh, more like an investor, inside investor, uh, discusses policy changes and tech innovations needed to help curb industries with the largest carbon footprints, which is bullshit. Right. I also remember he bought up all the land with the GMOs, too. Oh, yeah. And see if these industries would have any effect on anything like affecting the steel industry or cement or agriculture, you know, food and shelter, sort of ubiquitous things that you can target. You know? And all the natural food is, uh, you know, having planes crash into it, being lit on fire. And now we just have GMOs, right? Yeah. And it says that Gates told MIT Tech Review in 2021, it would be almost impossible to eliminate emissions from burping cows and fertilizer to re- reduce methane emissions, saying that Plant-based beef options are the only viable option, which he owns. Stake in, folks. <laughs> now, in quotes, it says, there are things Ouch. where they feed them different food. Like there's this one compound that gives you a 20% reduction in methane emissions. But sadly, those bacteria in their digestive system that produce methane are a necessary part of breaking down the grass. 
So six. What if he just shut his mouth? Wouldn't that cut down on the methane emissions? Oh, of course. But this last part really hits me because like when they're trying to do this, you don't think too. like if the cows can't break down food for nutrients in their own system because of what they're giving them and then you eat that cow, are you going to be able to break down that? Are you going to be able to absorb the nutrients that you need from that as much? No, nope. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And were they talking about vaccinating the cows too? Would they uh, give them a jab too? recently yeah and look at how he says that uh the synthetic based pr- plant protein alternatives may be required that's the biggest part the forcing people to do it requiring folks to do it so and also remember he wanted to block out the sun recently too yep and have genetically en- engineered mosquitoes in florida and a bunch of other crazy shit he's really involved in a, a lot he's he is a, a super villain the gates um but again who's behind him Who's making this shit happen? Um, so we got some additional uh, live contributions for links here. These will all be found on this week's uh, Substack source list. So go over to Substack. You can uh, subscribe for free and receive those emails from us um, every single week. Uh, links in the description for that. Uh, just follow our link tree to Substack. And these are also on Minds to M-I-N-D-S, uh, both free. Uh, let me uh, find this one too. Ooh, before Ukraine's invasion, wealth was drawing global attention. Hmm. Now, folks, when you encounter a paywall on a website like a New York Times or Washington Post, definitely don't give them any of your hard-earned money. Um, download yourself a little archive.today um, widget or something like that, and, or just go right to that website and uh, put in what you want archived. And oftentimes you'll find archive versions like this that don't have the the paywall thing attached to them. That's what uh, Dave McGowan did. The late, great Dave McGowan had all of his research and all of his work on his website for free, not buying a paywall. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the paywalls because if this information is important, it should be be able to reach by everybody, regardless of your income income level, what you got going on, and you shouldn't have to submit your credit card for it either. And that's what Dave was all about. Yeah. He went and he was broke when he died, when he was killed. Wow. And that's something too with uh, ooh, EU's farm animals produce more emissions than cars and vans combined. Oh no. But, um, and then this last one here, I'll click on. Oop. This cow's antibodies could be the newest weapon against COVID-19. Oh, nice. Even more cow stuff. This company is using genetically modified cows. What could go wrong? Companies using genetically modified cows to produce immune proteins that neutralized the pandemic coronavirus. This is See, from that's June to get 5th the remainder. That's to get the other guys who didn't want to get the jab. You know, they just put it in the food supply. Well then, and, and this this goes back to um, what we talked about with uh, Carol when she brought up those uh, cells that are being used. I actually went back and watched that Adam Curtis documentary that I brought up there. It's called uh, The Way of All Flesh. And yes, that's yeah. also the name of a, uh, of a Gojira song. Uh, th- thank you, uh, J- Yafo, I think it is, or uh, Zeister out there. Uh, Greg, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, br- he brought that up, uh, that it was a Gojira song and everything. But um, no, for, for me, like uh, that, that documentary went to show that when you genetically modify something, because the whole documentary is about uh, Henrietta Lacks and the cancer cells that they took out of her cervix as she was dying from cancer. And they use those to make uh, cells that continue to regenerate. Um, so if you put them in a Petri dish, that they would actually continue to grow. 
And they use that cell line and so many other different types of cell lines to test drugs and treatments of things. They even thought at one point that they could find um, the cure for cancer that way because it was assumed for many decades. And it was assumed uh, for many decades, actually, as the documentary points out, too, that it was a, a like a rich widow uh, who whose husband died of cancer. And she had a lot of influence into politics. Uh, she got with um, LBJ and then eventually Richard Nixon to launch the war on cancer. And the war on cancer, if you look up the war on cancer from the 70s, folks, it was all about find, finding the cancer virus. That's right. Cancer virus. People believed for decades, and, and this is billions of dollars. And I'm not talking about modern billions of dollars. You know, the, we're, we've printed way too much and it's not worth it nearly as much. I'm talking about in the 70s, billions of dollars worth of research was done to find the cancer virus. Guess what, folks? No fucking cancer virus. And then we eventually moved on to genetics too. Oh, the cancer is a genetic thing. It's carried down from this and that. Yeah, they have no proof of that. After all these years, you wonder something else. What's that? They most likely did uh, find a cure for cancer a long time ago, and they put a bullet in the back of that fucker's head. I mean, I, I, no doubts there, my friend. No doubts there. I mean, if you look at what we've looked at with companies like Goldman Sachs, literally telling people that if if they came up with something with the mRNA technology that actually did cure people, to be a little careful with that because you're not going to have people on the subscription train for as long if you just get yeah, it's like the guy who has the water the water powered car he uh mm -hmm. he went out to eat and then he collapsed in the street right afterwards mm -hmm. so but, uh, i'm going to scan over the the last of the articles here um as we close up shop for the week but um who wants to go first when it comes to final thoughts lisa lisa yeah, okay. I know, I know. I'm unmuting myself. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Go unmute yeah. yourself. Never I... stay muted. Never stay muted. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I'm going to go with my usual thing. Question everybody and everything, man. I'm telling you right now. Documents. Yeah. Yeah, that too. I mean, even what we're presented as far as like hard evidence and documents and videos. I mean, now, I mean sorry, I meant trans transcripts. Yeah. Yo, yes, we need transcripts, folks. Um, for those of you that want to donate, please go to our, our subscribe star. That's where our TMP document vault is. Um, we are taking a uh, collection there of donations to put towards um, J6 transcripts from the trials and other trials that we can provide um, analysis for. Um, so Lisa and the rest of us can look through those. Um, it is very expensive to gather up documents like that. The government puts that information behind a paywall. Gee, I wonder why. You know, so instead of having access to Pacer like that, where you can just log in and download all that stuff for free. No, you got to pay per page. And what is it, Lisa, per page? What what is what is the type of cost that you incur there? Well, for at, for the like pleadings that are filed, like motions, that type of thing, it ranges from like uh, ten to thirty cents a page. And transcripts, though, like for actual hearings that are taking place, and you have the court stenographer who's supposedly taking uh, an actual record of what's said yeah. and not said in the courtroom. That can go anywhere from like three dollars and fifty cents a page. Oh. Now, I mean, that adds up for when you you know we're talking about even a few hours. I mean, that can add up to a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. 
Yeah. So folks, if you can help out in any way with those, uh, those donations there at subscribe star. Um, and, yeah. but the, the very important to know though, also when we get these court filings, uh, and, you know, through records and transcripts, uh, people are investing for themselves as well, because it's going to be, we're making it so that, uh, it's accessible to the public. So people can see it for themselves. Unlike other, uh, "Quote unquote journalists who shall rename, remain nameless." As to you know, they want to tweet out and put uh, little clips here and there of transcripts. Well, that way, just like what we talked about with the Project Veritas story, that way it's not us, you know, selectively, you know, picking and choosing or cherry picking certain elements out of that. That the public can have full access to the story themselves. You know, it's not just our word for it. Right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, or our side or, or whatever view we have, you know. All right, man. But also, we're going to be starting on, folks, a, a new series called That's a Lisa Question. So if you want to submit questions to us uh, via the comment sections of any of our platforms right now, um, Lisa, I don't know if you want to give out the, the critical uh, Liberty Report stuff uh, from Substack, but I have that on, on there, too. There might be a way to message Lisa through that. I haven't tested that part of it yet. But if you have any uh, legal questions that you think that Lisa would be great in answering, um, or you need need some sort of clarification on something, we'd love to do that and introduce that as a a new part of the show um, going forward. So, um, but yeah, definitely check out Lisa's links there. Um, they are all on the all in the description. Uh, so go and subscribe to her on Substack uh, for that upcoming uh, segment that we'll be working on. So. But, yes, Lisa has to start her substance. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're definitely going to get that rolling this year, girl. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. So uh, get your name out there, too. It needs to be heard. So, uh, Grace, you got any appearances and stuff that you've recently done or got going on? What you got going on, man? Well, just the thing on Friday night with you. What do you uh, mean? What, what is it the guy on? For, true. Sake? Yeah, weren't you just on Union of the Unwanted, dude? Yeah, I was on Union of the Unwanted, one of Sam Tripoli's shows. Um, my good friend and, uh, producer Chuck Ocelli was on tinfoil hat. Um, I'm, I was trying to get, um, Sam's attention, uh, through Twitter for our new friend, uh, Apotha Carol. Yeah. He's trying to get, uh, her on his radar. So we'll see, see what, what comes to that. And other than that, I got the odd man podcast featuring the, uh, well, the odd cast featuring the odd man podcast. That's a wordful, yes. mouthful. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to drop, but that's in the can for a couple of weeks now. So, yeah, that's about it. Well, cool. Make sure to go follow uh, Chris Graves on Twitter. See Graves Mask Guy. Um, he is Shadow Band All Hell, along with the rest yep. of us. But um, if you follow him there and turn on notifications, hopefully you can see when he posts about uh, the release of all those podcasts. And also, shout out again to our friends at Knights of the Storm. Uh, shout out to Angry Tiger for having us on Tiger's Den. That that should be out Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. Oh, yeah. For also, the, I'll be on the, the Foxhole tonight, yeah. too. Oh, you're going to be on the Foxhole, too, with Jason Barker? That's awesome, man. Yeah, talking about Hollywood, the Hollywood uh, part of um, oh, yeah. corrupting the family unit and everything. Yeah, yeah, I saw he had Gar Goldsmith on with him the other night, and I bet you that's a fucking awesome conversation, too. Gar's always a hoot to have on, man. But, yeah, um, and you know what? Uh, Angry Tiger had guard on su as a surprise last night too. Yeah, yeah, guard, guard, uh, definitely doing our our boys uh, right by going on their shows and you know lending his uh, his critiques of things and his character, man, uh, his his wit is unmatched. 
So, but well, then he went into anarchy with uh, Angry Tiger too. Now that's a conversation I want to hear. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Speaking of wit and anarchy and other things, John Henry, what do you got for us for final thoughts this week, man? Uh, You better start fucking chicken coop shopping. (laughs) That's what. And also look, uh, there's some interesting data that's come out recently about eggs and uh, the impact they have on spike protein. So eggs actually may ward off some of the effects of the, uh, that magic juice. Yeah, I, oh. I believe I sent you something that was sent to us um, from my friend Grassroots Guillotine on Instagram, but this is by way of another Instagram channel called Dallas James 85 I'm going to give him a follow there. But yeah, let me drag this over and show you all. This is... Hey, um, any info about... Seriously, I am going to be doing the chicken thing up in Maine, so um, maybe I'll even document that. You know my uh, journey in doing that. So anybody, you know, who can give some good tips as to which kind of chickens are the best up in the Northeast, let me know. Let me dig around for you because we, um, I have a coworker that has, I think 65 chickens, you know, he was selling his eggs for $2 a dozen and he's up to five bucks a dozen now. Wow. Um, Oh yeah. It's $6 now at the uh, market. Uh, Yeah. Uh, farmer's market. So just, you know, that all these discussions, you know, again, it's always just a testament. We talk about being self-sufficient and, um, and having resources on hand. And obviously there's so many people out there that have none, right. They don't have a water filtration system, water collection system. Um, you know, if the supermarket closed tomorrow, how would you eat? If you're not asking yourself that question and being prepared for it, there's an issue there. Um, so we got to get rid of yes, preparedness, preparedness, preparedness. Uh, incredibly important, you know, sit down with your family and ask yourselves, what's our strategy if something were to happen and our phones didn't work anymore Uh, because so many people are so reliant. Um, Do you have an atlas? Do you have a physical paper U.S. atlas somewhere stashed away just in case your GPS didn't operate? So things to consider. That's all. Be prepared be part of a community. Find like-minded people. Um, And one of that's most important to me anyway is pray. Thanks. That's all I got. Well, and that's awesome, John Henry. And our, our friend Jason Barker, I believe, is working on a video too uh, to show people how to put survival guides and like handy things like medical um, almanacs and other whatever on uh, like medical books onto uh, devices and to how to put those in a Faraday cage. So in case like something crazy does happen, that you have an electronic device. So if you don't have internet, if you no longer have access to the internet, you no longer have access to a library or anything like that, which is libraries now are largely being digitized and bought up by Google nonetheless. So uh, that's always fun. That's a topic maybe for another show altogether. But um, yeah, he's going to show people how to store as much survivalist information on a device and keep it in a Faraday cage away from EMP and other things like that. And just as long as you have some sort of you know, generator or way to generate, um, or backup battery or anything there available that could be utilized. You can have access to that information in the case of an emergency. So it's awesome that you bring that up and I I hope to see that video from him soon. But, um, yeah, just to wrap things up, folks, like, uh, John Henry said, you know, it's important to be prepared for all these things too. But I think one of the things that prepares everybody is is just the start of it is, is being critical, you know, being critical of the things that you're being presented in your media and especially in alternative media. 
don't take our word for it as uh, the the title of uh, Chris Graves and Peter Seacosh's show says um, definitely go out and do your own research do your own digging come up with things and share that stuff with us be part of the community you know so use these comment sections on all of our platforms um, we are shadow band to hell on Twitter but if you're on Twitter too you know send us a message or something like that if you got a, a resource or something that you want to share like if we're if you think that we're wrong on something too just don't call us a bunch of dumb idiots i mean you might be right there in a couple of occasions especially with me but um if you if you want to have like a change you know on this earth if you want to make a difference you want to make an impact demonstrate share as much as you can um while you have the opportunity to especially before that window closes because i think we're we're seeing it it creep even more now um and even more suppression especially as we go on to 2024 so but i want to thank everybody for being here on rumble and odyssey we did finally see i I did see that odyssey finally got back up and running i'm not sure what kind of effect that had on our broadcast there so i'll I'll look at that and if i have to repost the uh edited replay like i do on uh BitChute and Brighteon and uh, Spotify there. I'll do so later for those of you that uh, like watching on Odyssey. Uh, But um, yeah, let's wrap it up. Until we meet again and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack. Or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash number 6 slash support. There, you can make a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.